As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sophologists, you know, are people who take a particular interest in elections and counts and numbers and figures and transfers and all that hell malarkey. And all I'm thinking this morning as a bit of an amateur sophologist is form a government out of that if you can. Why don't you? 1850-715-996, text 83 396-96-96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. More on that in a minute on how you might go about forming government out of that mess. But there's a bigger issue. Well, it has landed on the desk of Sinn Féin in a way that I don't think any of them wanted it to land. Uh, I want you to um, tell me what you think of it this morning. Tell me, does it actually matter to you? Particularly if you phone or if you if you um, voted for Sinn Féin at the weekend, if you voted for Tommy Gould, if you voted for Donna Galera, if you voted for, for Pat Buckley, or voted for any uh, Sinn Féin member anywhere, well, does this actually matter to you? They didn't break the hunger strikers, they didn't break Bobby Sands and Kevin Lynch, they'll never break us, they'll never break Sinn Féin. And what we say is, up the Republic, David Cullinan, Waterford TD, a guy who got 20,000 first preferences, celebrating after his uh, victory, or at his victory party. More on that in a minute. Do you think that that was appropriate? Does it matter to you? A lot of young people who voted for Sinn Féin, just, just feeling the thing out over the last 12 hours, couldn't care less, I have to say. Younger people that voted for Sinn Féin couldn't care less. Do you think it was appropriate, though? We'll do a text poll on it in a minute. Uh, John, will I go to John or to Mick first, lads? Will I? Where'll I go? I go to John or to Mick? Let me know there. Good. John, yeah, John, John, you want to get in about this one straight away. What do you think? Good morning. Well, good morning, PJ. This, to me, is dinosaur rhetoric. This is exactly you know, why Sinn Féin have been pigeonholed and picked and poked at, right? This is not doing the party any good. Um, you have the elected Tommy Gould, and congratulations to Tommy that was elected, right? Tommy Gould wouldn't go on like this. Now, David Cullinan needs to apologise for this. You had Daisy Elliston, and he's saying, well, come out, black and tans. And I believe he was rebuked by a member of the party and said, you're an elected representative. No, 
this, this kind of stuff, like, I mean, uh, I mean, is a throwback to which we don't need. We don't need this Caliano uh, waving around tricolours, singing Komochi uh, 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 Black and Tans or Up the Rare. This, this is a throwback which we don't need. What we need now, if the Chinese could build a hospital in three days, by this time next week, I want to see a fully... Well, John, no, we government. keep reducing that time now that I've done in four hours. It took them about ten days. <laughs> Yeah, well, whatever, 10 days. Well, we, well, we have a government in 10 days. That's the problem, right? And with this kind of college, you know, and the media, of course, will lock onto it again, right? And it will be the same old story again, issuing free and ready for government. Have they left the past behind them? Is there still a connection to the, the wire? And all this carry on. What I want to see, I want to see this government bedded down, and mm. I want to see the health and the housing. Yeah. I think everybody does, John. Let's let's listen to what, or let's read, I'm reading from the Irish Times, Harry McGee, their political correspondent, is quoting what David Cullinan said about this afterwards. He said, it was an emotional day, it was a long count, we were very excited and very proud. The 30-second clip was part of a longer speech that I gave where I was reflecting back on the hunger strikes, reflecting back on the fact that Kevin Lynch, the hunger striker, had stood in the Waterford constituency back in 1981. He was someone who inspired me and I think inspired many Republicans. The comments were made in that context. He said, I don't feel I have to apologise for reflecting back on that time period. What I'm saying is I'm putting context on the comments I made. I in no way meant this was about the here and now or the future. Well, there's no one asking anyone to forget uh, the lads in 1916 or Bobby Sands, who died around the state for this country, right? No one is, is asking anyone to forget that. But there's a time and a place for remembrance and respect for that. And this is a brand new era we're entering, right? The country is in, 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 in a terrible state in, in, as regards to health and housing and the homelessness and stuff. And we don't need the side chores. We don't need to throw back to the past of Truckee or Laws and up to there. I thought they were way past that. All right, leave it there, John. Thank you very much. Did you agree with what John just said? Should David Cullinan or anybody like him be be well past that? Mary Lou MacDonald actually spoke about it uh, later last night and spoke about having words with her new TDs. Because, look, you know, you're, you're going into government now, or at least trying to go into government. So she was asked about this last night. I've asked uh, everybody not to be uh, making throwaway comments or comments that can be uh, misconstrued or, or distract us from, from the work ahead. And I know that certainly um, that's what happened in David's case. Have you asked Sinn TDs not to make throwaway comments like that in the aftermath of that video, is it? Well, no, I mean, come here, I'm not their, I'm not their mammy, and I, I don't censor them either. I mean, we're all adults, and I, I do expect people to behave in an adult way and to cooperate with their with their dear leader and not to create uh, distractions. But let's not, let's not get uh, overexcited on this. That was Mary Lou's reaction uh, last night. Um, so what do you think? Do you actually care about what David Cullinan said. Is it fair to say he did it in the context of his own political inspirations as a young man? Is it fair to say he did it in the context of a party where he was with his friends, with his colleagues, with his party members? Somebody videoed it. Somebody put it up on social media. That's going to happen these days. Was he foolish? Was he stupid? Or do you just get on with it? It was a party. Get over yourself. Would it affect... Like, particularly if you lent your vote to Sinn Féin. In other words, if you've never voted Sinn Féin before and you're getting sick and tired of what's going on and you said, right, let's let's vote for Donald Galera. Let's vote for Tommy Gould. Let's vote for Pat Buckley. Just to see what they can do if we let them do it. Did you lend them your vote? Would you take it back quickly now, having heard that? 
or would it change your mind in any way? I'd like you to, to have a think about how you feel about that. Was it appropriate for David Cullinan to behave in that manner, albeit at a party celebrating his massive... And you have to congratulate the man because he 20,000 first preference. I mean, Jack Lynch was the last man I can remember getting 20,000, or, well, maybe Michael Healy Ray back in the day. So, was it appropriate? Let's take a quick text poll, shall we? We'll run it for a while. Uh, yes or no? So, yes or no, if you think it was appropriate and okay. No, if you don't. Yes or no? Yes, do you think it was all right that Devin, Devin Cullinan said what he said during that celebration? I'll play it again for a minute. Was that okay? Yes, if it was. No, if it wasn't okay. Was it the kind of thing you expect of someone who's hoping to sit at the cabinet table or at least sit in a junior minister, ministerial office and one of their senior people? He would be expected. He'd be one of a half a dozen you'd expect to sit at a cabinet table. Is that appropriate for a man who might, in the next couple of weeks, be sitting at the cabinet table in this country? Is, is that appropriate? Yes or no? Oh, wait, three, 396, 96, 96 by text or WhatsApp. We'll play it again. Remember now, this man could be sitting at a cabinet table in the next couple of weeks if the cards fall for Sinn Féin. Let us, let us hear it again. <laughs> Now, I messaged a, a friend of mine who's a member of Sinn Féin last night and I said, what do you think of that? And I got back one word, gobshite. But let's not go there. 1850 I'd like to know what you think. Yes or no? If that's okay, if that's all right, given the context, or if that's all right, given the history, if that's all right, given David Cullinan's inspirations, as he has told the press about it now, is that all right? Then yes. If it's not, then no to 083. 396-96-96, both text and WhatsApp, particularly if you lent your vote. And indeed, I would like to, to hear from you as well. Let's go now, though, to the... We, Donald Olera of Sinn Féin was the first TD elected in Cork. In fact, they were saying last night he was the first TD elected in the country. I was so immersed in it in Nemo on Sunday, I, I wasn't aware if he was, but presumably he was the first TD elected in the whole country was Donald Olera. The last TD elected in Cork... Uh, and it's fair to say, Mick, by the skin of your teeth, Mick Barry, good morning to you. Good morning to you, PJ. And congratulations. Thank you for that. Um, what do you feel after that long and arduous count? I feel a bit tired. Uh, I feel uh, pleased and grateful for the support. Uh, it was a hard battle all the way along the line, and I think we talked about it before the voting ourselves and you and I both knew that it was going to be a tough battle for the last one. Uh, we came in handy enough in the end with a majority of about 2,000 uh, in the end over our closest rival but um, it was a tough fight, no doubt about that. Mm. Why do you think it was so tough this time? I think there was a couple of factors. Um, first of all, last time out um, the 2016 general election took place in the context of uh, the campaign against the water. Oh, he's gone. He was saying the water charge. We'll try and get him back there, lads. His line just dropped on us. Uh, there, to give it back to you. 
last TD elected in Cork. Uh, got about a 2,000 majority in the end after all the votes were counted. Let's let's go straight to the first TD elected, and I think the first in the country. Uh, Donald Colera, good morning to you. Good morning, Jesus. And again, con- congratulations. Now, let's go straight to the, the David Cullinan controversy. What do you think about a party colleague of yours who could well be sitting around a cabinet table if the cards were to fall for your party, behaving like that. Good morning. What do you think? Good morning. Um, look, I mean, I suppose, first of all, Dave got a massive vote. I think the biggest vote in the history of Waterford, uh, I, I think. Um, and I, I think, look, he's explained the comments himself. I think they were addressing... I suppose it was part of a lengthy speech that was outlining the fact that many people in that room would have canvassed for... Um, for Kevin Lynch as an anti-hate flock hunters in Waterford in 1981 uh, and re- reflecting on that and reflecting on the fact that many people have contributed for decades uh, to Republican politics in Waterford uh, and to bring them to where they are now in that country. So uh, I think David has addressed the comments. I think he's explained uh, how, how, they, how they came to be. Uh, they are not comments, I think, that... Uh, I probably would have made uh, in that regard, mm. but um, I think he's explained how how that came to be. Like David's a bit older than you, and he would remember. In fairness, he he would he would remember the campaign around Kevin Lynch. He would have been very young then, but he would remember the campaign, or at least growing up, he'd have known more about it. And it, as he said, Lynch's story inspired him, and I guess high on the emotion of having got 20,000 first preferences and his party topping the poll in practically every constituency they stood in, he'd, he would get a bit carried away, I guess, would he? Well, look, I mean, I, I mean, I suppose after the election and in terms of celebrations, as well as, you know, like the long slog of a campaign is exhausting, you know, uh, physically, uh, mentally and emotionally, so Yes, it is. Uh, I, I think you know uh, it is possible that you can you, you can be less guarded maybe than you might ordinarily be, or less careful than maybe you might be as well. Mm. Uh, but like I mean, I think you know there is a historical context there to electoral politics uh, in Waterford and the fact that there is uh, a long contribution there from Republicans. Um, so, like, I mean, I think that's the context in which it was made. Okay. Let's look at the, the next steps, I suppose, for, for for Sinn Féin now, with 37 TDs. Very powerful position. Mary Lou MacDonald said she's already spoken to Eamon Ryan of the Greens. We understand she's spoken to Roisin Shortall from the Social Democrats. Between the three, you'd get to 55. If she got Labour and uh, Solidarity PPP on side... That would bring them up to 66. She still wants to get this broad coalition of the left. I'm sure you would support that. But it can't be done, Donica. Well, like, you look at the maths. It's, uh, it's not easy to predict any kind of government without some of the bigger parties breaking their, big, their so-called red lines, right? Um, we went to the electorate on the basis of asking people to vote for an alternative, asking people to vote for Sinn Féin, and for other progressive parties to try and put together a party, a government outside of Fine Gael and Fine Gael for the very first time. So whatever transpires in the end, we owe it to people to give that our best effort. We owe it to, there is a majority of TDs outside of Fine Gael and Fine Gael, of the independents, 
it's a judgment call as to whether you call them progressive or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, some care instances, but some, you know, might be a bit more... Uh, if you were to take the, the gene problem. poolers out of... The, if you took the... Tw- there's 21 independents and others, right? If you took the gene poolers out of that, it's probably down to half of that. Yeah, well, perhaps so. But, like, I mean, I, as I say, we owe it to people to give this our best effort. Uh, and I do think that we are the ones being proactive now. We are the ones who are very uh, clearly up for being in government. I think probably unlike any other party really at the minute, we are not shying away from uh, a resounding mandate that we got. Uh, We are not going to be sitting on the fence and we will not be found wanting. In the heat of it all, We are making the initial contacts uh, and we want to talk to other parties about programme for government uh, and about trying to put a government together. Now, in the heat of it all the other night, um, we ended up in our studio in Nemo sitting you next to Ehan Martin and and asking in the heat of the moment the difficult question, could you work together? Could you work with Ehan Martin, Donoghue? Well, it depends on in what context, I suppose, PJ. Could you serve in government with him? Well, just first, like, I would say as well, like, in politics... I'll work with any TD on a constituency basis, whether I'm in government or opposition, whether it's on issues. And we've worked on things like resources for special schools and uh, various mm. issues like that, with all, and I suppose, school locations and uh, health issues. Like, I mean, I will work with all TDs for the betterment of Cork. There's no question in my mind about that. Uh, in terms of government, like, I mean, we've made it very clear that we will talk to the parties. Now, I have no bra for Fianna Fáil. I have no bra for Fine Gael. I have many, many criticisms of both, mm. uh, and I think in the past our policies uh, have caused. But if you could sit down and hammer out a plan in the national interest, would you do it? Like I mean, I suppose I'm coming to that. Like I mean, as I say, I believe their policies caused an awful lot of pain and hurt for workers and for families. So that is why our preference is uh, to work with other parties whose ideas and policies are closer to ours, who will create a greater opportunity for us to deliver the kind of policies that we want to see. Um, but, uh, when it comes to it, like, I mean, certainly we're not ruling out parties. Okay. Uh, after that, it will all be about programme for government. Okay. Whoever we talk to, it has to be the right programme for government, delivers affordable housing, affordable childcare, okay. and fixes okay. the situation already. Okay. Stay, stay, stay there, and I, I'm not lending you in this. I just have Mick Barry on the other line, because I know that um, Mick, uh, Richard Boyd Barrett, one of your uh, party colleagues, said this morning on another radio programme, or was asked, rather, uh, was he ready for ministerial office? Now, would you sit down with that combination of Sinn Féin, Green, Social Democrats, possibly Labour, and your own solidarity people before profit? Would you sit down and talk to Mary Lou, or locally, would you talk to, to Dunica about putting some kind of a government together? OK, well, to be clear, uh, solidarity people before profit... Uh, are ruling out categorically doing any kind of deal, coalition deal, government deal with either Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. These are the parties which block real change. Mm-hmm. They represent the 1%, the corporate interest, the wealthy yeah. interest, the landlords. And we're ruling that out. And so would you help Mary Lou MacDonald to get to 80 votes and, and keep those them out, as it were? Okay, well, we are um, willing and interested in sitting down and talking uh, to all of the other parties uh, outside of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. 
But we want to talk about policy. And the type of policy that we want to talk about uh, would include uh, 100,000 social and affordable houses within three years, an increase in the national minimum wage to €15 an hour, the introduction of a single-tier Irish National Health Service. Are they red lines, all of them? Yes, absolutely. And crucially, the idea that we have a sharp break in the way in which the economy is organised from one which is geared towards the profits of the few to one that is geared towards the needs of the many. Now, to be clear as well, um, if we can't get agreement uh, with the other parties in relation to that, uh, we will still use uh, our votes in a vote for Taoiseach against the Fianna Fáil and the Fine Gael nominees and to allow an alternative government if necessary, to come to power. But the final point I want to make is this. Yeah. I've ruled out there the idea of doing a deal with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael, who are the opponents uh, and the blockers of real change. Okay. I think that a lot of Sinn Féin voters would like to hear Dunica and the Sinn Féin reps rule that out too, rather than keep open the idea of doing a deal with those parties mm. who will block any attempts at real change, which is what the voters want. Well, Dunica will speak for himself. I'm not going to speak for him. He's on the other line. But the point that I was making to him, Mick, is, is, is simply this, that it is on the numbers, on the numbers, it's impossible to get to 80 votes or virtually impossible to get to 80 votes for, for anyone other than Michal Martin or, or Leo Varadkar. Or maybe Lou McDonald working with one of those two. I wouldn't think it's impossible, but I do accept, looking at the numbers on the front of the papers this morning, that it is very difficult uh, in that sense. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael should not be rescued. They should not be rescued by either of the parties who are the big beneficiaries okay. of the vote for change. I'm not just talking about Sinn Féin, I'm talking about the Green Party as well. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael should not be rescued okay. and helped back into office. Okay, well we can see where the discussions could be, could be interesting over the next couple of weeks. Mick, finally, what did you think of, and before I go back to Dunica because I have one or two comments to bring to you, Dunica, what did you think of what David Cullinan did and said at his party? Um, I wouldn't be that impressed by it myself but at the same time, I think this is... I think, that, I think Dunica might be gone there lads, just try and try, just hold on, I'll hold on to Mick, just try him again there lads. Yeah, go on Mick. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, PJ. There seems to be a lot of problems with the phone this morning. I got so many, I got so many texts last night. I think my phone is under some kind of a strain or something. But here you go. In any case, look, I I wouldn't be uh, impressed with that stuff myself. I I tend to think it'll be a twenty-four hour media thing. The people who voted are far far more interested in talking about where are the houses, how can we improve the health system, how can we tackle inequality in our society. I think that's that's the real issue for, for, for people going forward. All right. Leave it there, Mick. Thank you, Mick Barry. 1850 Quick commercial break. I can tell you that the text poll is almost entirely no. The question we're asking is, are those comments appropriate, and I'm adding this bit to it, for someone who might be sitting at a cabinet table over the next month? Because if Sinn Féin can get themselves into government, he is one of them, their more serious senior people. He is a contender for the cabinet. So 
are these comments appropriate, even at a party, even possibly with a few bevies taken, even in the excitement of it all, are these comments appropriate for someone who might be sitting at the cabinet in a couple of weeks' time? They didn't break the hunger strikers. They didn't break Bobby Sands and Kevin Lynch. They'll never break us. They'll never break Sinn Féin. And what we say is up the Republic, up the Rath, and suck your love. We're getting lots of texts and messages from women who say that they lent their vote to Sinn Féin on this occasion, are shocked by that, and wish they hadn't voted for them now. But we're going to keep the text poll going for a little while longer. Is that appropriate? Yes or no? Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Billy, you're next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Focus coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favorite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts. And get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Cork's 96FM. This is Court's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Court's 96 FM. I, I was waiting for someone to come up with this because something that I think has been forgotten in calling the state of the parties. Rory says, PJ, the people have spoken and have made Fianna Fáil the largest party in the country again. A great day for democracy. Something to be remembered from that. The state of the parties has Fianna Fáil on 38, Sinn Féin on 37. Let us not forget, though, that one of Fianna Fáil's 38 is the outgoing Cancorla, Sean O'Farrell, who, under our, under our system, doesn't have to contest the election, so automatically gets his seat back. So, in fact, Fianna Fáil only won 37 seats. So there's the numbers. It was a draw. Let's go back to the up the rad thing, though. Billy McGill... In the heat of the moment, would you forgive him? Good morning. I would. You would? Why? Uh, let's look at the history of, of Sinn Féin. Um, it, it's, 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 let's look at the history of Northern Ireland. Um, it comes out. Some are more Republican than others. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I mean, I, I have been at dinners where we have sung a nation once again. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, it's nationalist pride that comes up. Yeah, it's probably inappropriate for us to have got out and to have done it. Yeah. But I can understand it happening. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that in the context of someone who might be a cabinet minister in six weeks' time, it's appropriate? Well, appropriate to who? We 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 we, have, we want change. Is this change? Is this part of change? Mm. You know, Fianna Fáil will say they're the Republican Party. Sinn Féin will say they're the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. The IRA will say they're the Irish Republican Army. Mm -hmm. You know, once upon a time, they were all the one. So it's bound to be. It's in the genes. It's in the genes, and I guess it's going to come out at times. Billy, thank you. 
in the context of how it happened, Billy says, let it go. Mind you, if they do want a united Ireland, it's hardly the way to get unionists on board. Let's go to Denise, because Denise, I think you're one of these people who, who lent your vote to Sinn Féin. How do you feel about that this morning? Um, I just really think that they could have had a little bit more decorum the way they went. Um, no, I wouldn't be Sinn Féin or anything like that. Just sick of what's happening to the country. Yeah. And like I said to my kids, who are school going 18 and 13, who would they actually vote for? Because they would be in the no true school and that. And they all said, she said, everybody in school is Sinn Féin because they want to make a change. They want Ireland back, basically, because so many things have gone wrong over the years. But I do think there could have been a little bit of decorum. Yeah. When, you know, you know, we all know the past and we know what goes on there and whatever. Mm. But a little bit of decorum, you know. Well, I guess at a party where a few points have been taken, to say the least, and David Cullinan, who I've only met a couple of times, he's a very personable guy, you know, he's inspired. His entire political inspiration comes from people like Kevin Lynch. So it's it's hard to expect him not to pay tribute to it at a victory party or to Kevin Lynch. Well, I wouldn't have any problem with him, you know, saying, you know, celebrating that, like, but it was the fact that, you know, they're in the background, the IRA, the RA, whatever. I just think there could have been a little bit more decorum and the people that were surrounding him and support him on the night and were at his party, I think they should have maybe had a little, known a little bit better Mm. because Sinn Féin are out there and they don't want to be, like, you know, they come across all of us as they're not related with the IRA. They don't, you know, there's none of this background there. Now, being Irish, we all know there is. But they could have had that little bit of decorum to say, right, we'll keep our mouths shut. You know, for one night, they could have kept their mouths shut. You'd love to to know who who in the room thought that God... Well, I mean, they hadn't the brains that were born with it. They thought putting it in social media was something to do. Keep it in-house. Exactly. And what I did notice, you know, when they were going around to the different areas for the different, you know, the different areas where people were elected, and you can actually see the different type of people that voted, if you can know what I'm saying without me having to say it. Yeah. You know, you could see in the background, like, the types of people that were actually voting. Well, I, to be fair now, I saw at the count centre at the count centre on Sunday. I would have seen every conceivable kind and type of person with Sinn Fein stickers on them. Oh, they definitely, yeah. Attracted definitely. a huge, broad spectrum of society, particularly young people, on this occasion. Definitely, and as I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have voted Sinn Fein before. Mm. But it's would you vote again now? You, 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 would you vote for them again if the election was tomorrow, having seen that video? Um, we need change. We definitely need change. We need someone new. We need someone fresh. And maybe, maybe yeah, if I sat down and thought about it, I would. Okay. Because okay. we do, we definitely need a change. And the people that have been there didn't make the change. So maybe, yeah, I think, if, if, in reality, yeah, I think I would. Okay. All right, all right. Our country needs a huge change. All right, and it needs it needs fresh faces. Okay, so you'd still you'd, st- you'd, st- you'd still vote for for Sinn Fein on the basis of what they were offering politically. Thanks, Denise, and that's what we're asking people: Would you, particularly people who lent their vote? 
to Sinn Féin. Is it appropriate, the comments that David Cullinan made, the, the things he said at that party that have now gone gone viral? Magella, what do you think? Good morning. One minute there now, I'll get Magella if I'd had the right button in. Magella, how are you? Oh. Hi, good morning, TJ. Um, I just wanted to say I'm not a very political person and that of the same interest in the politics of Ireland, yeah. but I do care about our country and I very much care about peace, you know, in the north and the south. And I think the likes of David Conan, what he said was not very personable. You know, you made a comment that he, you thought he was very personable. Well, 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 when I met him, I did. When I met him, I did yeah. once or twice, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And he probably came across as that. But you see, sometimes people come out and show their true colours. And I just think what he said, you know, it's very negative. And I thought we'd moved on from that kind of aggressive, you know, behaviour and that sort of aggressive talk. Mm. Um, you know, we, do, we need to move forward positively. And saying things like he said, it just sets a negative tone. And, you know, we've come so far with peace process and Northern Ireland and everything and comments like that do not help, and they will not help in politics going forward. I think he needs to apologise, and I, need to, I think he needs to retract what he said. And, you know, we, we don't need people like that representing us going forward. It's very, very negative. All right. Magella, thank you for that comment. 1850-715-996. Enormous response to this on text and WhatsApp. And I might tell you, almost overwhelmingly no, uh, that it's not appropriate. But we'll keep it going for a little while. Patrick, good morning. Oh, Patrick, Patrick is gone. He was there on line two. See, can you get him back again, lads, if you could at all? Let's go to line one. Jerry. Good morning, PJ. Your thoughts? Um, my thoughts, I think the, the truth uh, in their euphoria, the truth came through the camouflage. You know, like um, as Jerry Adams truthfully said a good number of years ago, they haven't gone away, you know. You know, it, 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 it's very. And that was quite a while ago, though. To be fair, it was quite. It was quite. It wasn't a while last ago. week, like you know. Yeah, even last week. But I mean, quite a while ago, ten years ago, maybe. I mean, that's not a not a hell of a lot of time in history. And and uh, subsequent events that weren't very long ago, which were absolutely brutal and savage, between brutal murders and rapes that were done and covered up and mm-hmm. uh, and not apologised and not not being contrite for. I wouldn't. I I I I know that they haven't gone away, and I, it just showed up in, in your man Cullinan's victory speech, and uh, mm. it won't do any good to bring a, a peaceful uh, cooperation in Northern Ireland with that carry on, and uh, it's it's just that they're very much still there, and it's um, it, it just came it came out in their euphoria. Well, you, the you, know, you know, Jerry, and this is an important point to make. You can look at Sinn Fein, and you can look at you know, their recent history. But go back into the history of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. There's a lot of blood back there too, you know. Oh, back 100 years ago, the raised in Sinn Féin, were the first party in Ireland, formed by Arthur Griffith. Yeah. And uh, Fianna Fáil came out of Sinn Féin eventually about, well, I yeah, don't know. Well, they, we don't they need to do the now. history lesson, but I'm saying, no, what but I'm saying, co- yeah, what I'm saying I mean, is there's blood on everyone's hands back then. Yeah, but then the, the difference is now that the present Sinn Féin, they haven't gone away. That they're very prevalent still, and it's 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 been shown on many yeah. occasions. If people want to look, I mean, read about Martin Cahill's, I have yeah. to say, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's and read about what Breeze it, Quinn it's, has it's, to say. It's, it's fresher, and, it's fresher and, in the and memory. It is. And Robert McCartney yeah. family yeah. have to say. Yeah. And it's, then it, it, there's a sinister, there is the very big sinister element there, and okay. there's no denying that. And it just burst out with the Kamochi black and tans and up the uh, okay. It came out very prevalent in their euphoria and a lot of it in a good number of instances. Okay. All right. Leave it there, Jerry. Thank you very much. They haven't gone away, and here's the sign of it, says, says Jerry. Kate. Hi. Uh, well, I'm an English woman and I voted Sinn Féin. And I think in the context of all of the huge votes and the heat of the moment, I think it's completely understandable. Is it? In the bigger picture of national politics, it's probably a bit misguided. But, you know, in that moment of celebration in a party, I personally have absolutely no issue with it and would still vote Sinn Féin. Uh, I, I was watching all of the counts in all of the centres glued to it at the weekend. They were obnoxious chanting, shoulders aloft, singing celebrations by men of all of the parties as far as I could see. So for me, it's really about the macho culture of politics, full stop, that needs to change and not this one not celebration. Not the, sh- the shouldering, they all do that. Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of obnoxious, isn't it? All that singing and chanting and, you know, particularly when maybe when you're the first one being elected with a huge majority, but when you're being dragged over the line for the final version, it's very silly. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, Kate, I can't disagree with you there. If you've been dragged over the line or funted over it without reaching the quota, to be chaired around like you've just won the lottery is a bit... Oh, God, go on now. It's just a bit obnoxious. So, you know, this guy got a huge majority. And, you know, yeah, he probably said the wrong thing, but he was celebrating. Just let it go. All right. Move on, move on to policy. All right. Thank you, Kate. 1850 We'll leave it the poll go. I think we probably run it up to 10, but is it appropriate? And again, in the context, in the context of someone who might be if a deal of some kind is done, who might be sitting at a cabinet table in six weeks' time. Might be. Sitting around the cabinet table, running the country in six weeks' time. Are those comments, is this appropriate behaviour? Text yes or no to 08, or WhatsApp to 083 396 96 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Solidfueldepot.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The annual Shine Valentine's Ball will take place on Saturday, the 15th of February at the Maryborough Hotel. Proceeds in aid of the Shine Centre for Autism. A monster bingo event will take place on Sunday, the 16th of February at 3 p.m. at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry. There'll be cash prizes and a raffle on the day in association with Rathbury National School. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With the Wellbeing Network, it's time to look after you. See the wellbeingnetwork.ie. On Cork's 96fm. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Uh, Sandra worked as a nurse 
in London at the time of the IRA bombings. She remembers treating a six-year-old boy who lost his eye in a nail bombing and a cellist from the BBC Philharmonic whose arm was blown off by a bomb. Your man in Waterford has just proven they're not gone away. She hopes they get in and make a complete... Balls of it. People are voting for them for housing, etc. That's only a ruse. They just want their foot in the door to get to United Ireland. Seamus Mallon was fantastic. He said the British don't want to be in Northern Ireland anymore anyway, so there's no need for Sinn Féin down here. Nobody ever said a word to her about being Irish, but she felt absolute. This is when she was in London, Sandra said, but she felt absolutely terrible about it and had to distance herself from it all the time. This is what they stand for. None of them will ever condemn it. But Rory says, what did Leo say to Mary Lou last year? He said it doesn't take long for the balaclava to slip. Cullinan and his ilk aren't helping Sinn Féin to move away from that image, says Rory. Dean says you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Up the ra. Am I getting the blame again? But I can tell you now, it's predominantly no, that it's not appropriate for David Cullinan to have behaved the way he behaved. Jim McGann in Middleton says, I think Mary Lou will punish him for sure. No cabinet position, and in any other way she can punish him, she will. Modern parties have to handle issues that come up, and they do that in all kinds of ways. I don't think that Mary Lou and Sinn Féin in general welcome those comments. He is a very senior member of the party, though. It would be hard to leave him off the cabinet. It would be some punishment. Uh, what The more it's spoken about and listened to, the more it's prevalent. It's one person's speech. It's not a mass movement. Caller said at least there won't be a buddy-buddy system now getting their old pals into the Shannon. It's the only thing he ever agreed with him to Kenny, that they should have got rid of the Shannon. Well, they'll still have, whoever's Taoiseach will still have 11 picks for the Shannon, and there's still a Shannon election will start in the next while. But that's, we'll move on from that for, for, a, for a bit, and we'll come back to it later on. Can I just mention I was very uh, upset to hear this morning of the passing of John Jeffries uh, from Cove. I have known John on and off, not well, but casually, for many many years and he's regularly been a contributor on this programme. A lifelong socialist and a lifelong supporter of the left in this country. But a decent, affable, kind and nice man who you could argue furiously with. But when it was all over, he would shake your hand and continue to be a nice, kind and affable man. And I hear that John Jeffries has passed away, and I'm very, very sad to hear that. Uh, I, I missed him, actually, at the Count Centre on Sunday, and I was kind of surprised to, to see that he wasn't there. But, of course, we were all so busy, I, I, it just was a passing thought. But I hear this morning that John has passed away and uh, my condolences to all who knew him and who knew him far better than I. But he was, he was a nice guy, and I liked him. And we, may, we will miss him and his contributions, his very erudite and articulate contributions on the Opinion Line. Uh, yesterday, 1850 We got contacted over the weekend by Erica. Erica wanted to bring to our attention something that her daughter had seen on a train uh, over the weekend. Uh, so we said we'd talk to her daughter, uh, Sophia is her name, and I spoke to her before we came on air. So, Sophia, you were on the train from Middleton into Cork, short enough journey. Yeah. What did you see? Um, well, I actually just had my earphones in, and I was kind of just, like, minding my own business. Um, and then I looked up, and I saw this man kind of bothering this woman. She seemed a bit uncomfortable, and she, like, moved seats. Um, 
And this other woman, like, saw that she, that this other woman was, like, uncomfortable with the situation, so she went up and she hugged what, her. What, what, what was he doing? Was he sitting down next to her or just trying to talk um, to her or what? I think she had just gotten onto the train. So I think he was, like, bothering a few people. So as a new person came onto the train, he then went to approach her, and he right. was kind of trying to talk to her, but she was just walking away to find, like, a different seat. Well, what age of a man was he? Um, Do you know? Maybe mid-20s. I'm not oh. really sure. Okay. And was he following her around the carriage? Is that one? Um, Not really. He was just kind of in the one. In the one place. But she was definitely uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened then? And the woman, like another woman, she was standing up, like reading a book, and um, she saw that like this woman was uncomfortable. So she went up and she hugged her um, and kind of pretended as if she knows her, and then the man just kind of like left. Right. And did the did the, the woman who was the object of this man's attention, shall we say, unwelcome attention, did she realize what was happening, or was she taken aback by this other strange woman walking across and giving her a hug, or did she realize what was going on? Um, she she was very grateful actually for the woman coming up and giving her a hug because then they had a little chat and um, the fact that then because she hugged her, the man like left and like left them alone. Yeah, yeah. He he got the message as it were. Yeah. Yeah. How did how did you feel watching that? Um, I felt hopeful kind of because um, you you would only really like read this kind of thing on like online. And you'd only see it like in movies or something, but then the fact that it was like um real life. Yeah. It was like, wow, you know, like I don't know. Yeah, your mom when she contacted us uh, said it was a kind of a, a female solidarity thing. Yeah, no, exactly. It was very like, empowering as well. Yeah. Like is it something that having seen someone else do it, you do yourself? Yeah, definitely. As in I had my earphones in I wasn't really aware of the situation mm. and like what was happening yeah um, but if I saw another like a- anyone else really in need I would like approach if it was suitable like yeah yeah we hear too many stories far too many stories about women being harassed in all sorts of places public yeah. transport just one of them and we kind of do need people stepping up to help yeah no exactly Okay. Well, we did get on to Irish Rail, um, and they they got back to us, and their spokesman said that there was an incident in which a drunk passenger was behaving in an intimidating manner to other customers as he boarded and was on board the Cork to Middleton train. However, our security team attended and removed him from the train, and Gardaí took him away from Kent Station then. So they've sent, after we brought this to their attention. Uh, they apologised to customers for any upset caused and thanked the staff, security and Gardaí for addressing it swiftly. So there definitely was an incident. This guy was up to he was up to no good. He had a lot of drink taken. So what you saw, there there actually was something to it. Yeah, exactly. Good talking to you, Sophia. Thank you. You too. Her mum said it was the sort of little step needed to change the world. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996. Text 083-396-9696. Your email opinion at 96fm.ie. Just getting a studio guest into place. While I'm doing that, give you one or two more comments on that whole David Cullinan 
controversy. Whether you take his comments on the chin as part of a victory speech or not, Sinn Féin's talk of change, yet they drag up the past and they fire out comments like this. Understandable, but at the same time totally inappropriate. We need to move forward, not backwards. Decorum and respect needs to be shown across the board to those who did and have suffered at the hands of the IRA. And Susan says on email to opinion at 96fm.ie, Hi PJ, not only is that video not appropriate, I think he should be forced to stand down immediately. And now the IRA have taken full responsibility for the murder of Lyra McKee and four members have been arrested. Have we gone back all these years? Was the peace process a total waste of time? Not a good start for Sinn Féin, who, by the way, I would never vote for. Love the show. I listen in from Spain every day. Buenos dias, uh, Susan. 1850 715 That's also the WhatsApp. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Sitting in front of me is a tall, athletic, strong and fit-looking young man who just came into the studio on a crutch. Yusuf, good morning. Morning. Could is you it? move in just a little closer to that oh, mic oh, for yeah. me? That's great. That's great. You put up um, a post on Facebook and you've opened a page on Facebook called Disability to Mobility. That's right. Yeah. And we wanted to talk to you about it because your story is, is a most interesting one. Uh, you're originally from, I think, the Ivory Coast. That's right, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because that's almost the reverse of our flag. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Orange, white, green, yeah. Yeah, the other, the other way around. Yeah. So you live in Cove. When, when did you come here? Uh, 2013. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and how did you come to be here? Was it? Oh, I joined my parents. Right. Though yeah. they were here originally. Yeah, they were here before. Like you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and you're living in... now. You you're mad into football, cycling, all sorts of athletics. Yeah. What happened to your leg? Uh, this is a strange situation, right? Like you know, uh, I joined Springfield Ramblers, start playing with them, you know. And then, Springfield Ramblers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And after a while, like I start uh, noticing a pain, the left leg, you know. Yes. Yeah, and so whenever I play, I love to take a. Uh, take I have to rest, you yes. know. Yes. Yeah. And you were you were getting pains while you were playing. Yeah, that's which right. Which you never yeah. had before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I had to I had to rest and let the pain go before like you know continuing like you know but then a time like it'll prevent it'll prevent me like you know yeah or even walking like for like i'll say 15 minutes like you know you were getting pain yeah i was getting pain was it the lower half of the leg or where uh at the knee level like. the knee level if you yeah know. Okay. and um, you went and you got it looked at did you yeah that's right mercy hospital and uh they ran an mri scan and they found out that there was a blockage, like in the main artery. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was, you were very young for that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's strange, like you know. So that was preventing, like the blood, like you know, yeah, or flowing, like you know. I wasn't getting enough blood supply. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were cramping up badly. What yeah. did they do for you in the mercy then? Uh, well, they. I went for surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. So they opened up the artery, and removed the blockage, but. Yeah. It wasn't that simple, like, you know, they had to carry on, like, two procedures, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Before it came out, well, successful, like, yeah. 2015, yeah. Yeah. And and you, were you doing, you were in college all this time as well, were you? Yeah. Yeah. And you were working. So, 
the first set of surgeries. Well, the first one I was in, uh, I was I was doing my living surgery. You're doing living surgery. Yeah, back in 2015. Yeah, and then the first it was kind of successful, but kind of not, wasn't it? You got some relief for a while. Well, yeah, yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, we can play it like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how long did that relief last for? Uh, till 2019. Okay, so last year. Last year. Last yeah. year. February. February. No, there was 12 months ago now. Yeah. The year ago. Yeah. Just moved that little bit towards you there. This uh, yeah. And and the pain started to come back. Was it while you were cycling or playing football again? Yeah, cycling. So it wasn't as frequent as it was before. Like, you know, yeah. it would come and go, like, you know. Yeah. And like before, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to walk like for long distance yeah when i was able like but it will just come as a reminder like you know that there's something there like you know and you're like, obviously going oh no not again Here yeah not again. again yeah so i was i was yeah, i was frustrated like you know and, and you went you went back to the doctor didn't that's you? right yeah. yeah i went back to the doctor and well, they told me it was okay like to keep doing the sport like you yeah know, and yeah. to um improve like the blood circulation yes because yeah. you would think when you're fit and you're playing football and cycling and using your legs yeah that the circulation would be very good definitely yeah you would you would have thought that but yeah. that, that wasn't to be the case it, was, it continued to get worse yeah so when i went back then they told me yeah it's good so i was like oh. and i went back home like you know and after six weeks yeah. i was doing some exercise home like you know and then something yeah it started like again like you know yeah, the pain became more and more and constant was it yeah fairly constant right, yeah it was unbearable like you know and so i had to go back to the was gp it wasn't just when you were exercising this was all the time now was it was like basically it was yeah it will like i said it will come as a reminder yeah and go you know yeah so then after the exercise yes it got worse like you know okay it was unbearable then so back to the doctor. So back to the GP, and then he told me, "Come back in two weeks, like if, if if it still bothers you, yeah. like." And I, but I, I I couldn't, like you know, that that day I couldn't take it no yeah. more, like you know, yeah. it was so it was so bad, like so I had to go like to the doctor, and then they ran a CT scan and found out that uh, it was severe, like you know, yeah. so that they needed to do something. So you had to. Yeah. There was only one thing they could do, and what was that? Yeah. Well, they told me like there's a big, big risk involved. Yeah. You know, they'll try to save it, but uh, lose it, like you know. They had to take the leg off. Yeah. From where? Yusuf? From where? what part? Uh, From the knee down. Yeah, above above the knee. Yeah. Above the knee, just yeah. above the knee. So, yeah. and you were what age? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. How does that feel to someone who loved his sport, loved his athletics, and all that? I mean. You can't, I mean, you can't describe it. And they told you? Like, I mean, yeah, they told me. And it's like you, yeah, like you said, you love something, you know what I mean? And a pain is preventing you from doing that thing. Yeah. And then on top of that, you lose your leg, you know? They take away the pain, but the only way you can do that is take away the leg. The leg, yeah. And... It's it's difficult, like you know. I'd say it is. Yeah. I'd say it is. So, was it a case of that they sort of did you get an opportunity to to think about it, or did they just say, "Look, Yusuf, we have we have no choice here." 
Uh, I did not really get an opportunity, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. To think about it. But uh, it was so serious they had to go. Yeah. It was so serious. That, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they were afraid, I think. They were afraid, I think, that the clot would break. Exactly. And, and I lost my body. Yeah, exactly, you know. So I think at the time, like, it was the best decision, like, you know, they yeah. could yeah. take, like, you know. So you, you wake up. Yeah. And first attempt, like, I wake up and I see the leg. You know, I was like, oh, it's there, like, you know. Yeah. But then after, like, I see the doctors rushing, like, into the room, like, you know. Mm. And I was like, oh something bad like back again right and then i wake up again like the leg is gone so they tried again to fix it properly yeah, twice. they tried it again to twice. fix it yeah, and then me. they had to amputate yeah oh god so you wake up in between yeah and you still have your leg yeah and then the doctors are fussing around the place yeah and then you go to sleep again yeah and then you wake up and you've got no leg yeah who's with you getting you through this because that must be really tough family yeah, yeah. family friends you know and I like I like to thank all of them, like you know, yeah. for all the support. Yeah, yeah. Now you've had to give up your sport, but you'd love to get back to it. You have been fitted, I think, with a prosthetic leg. That's right. Yeah. Explain how that happens. Is that automatic? Do they put your name down straight away, or what? Yeah. And like, how long after they took off your leg? Yeah. Did you get fitted for your prosthetic? I think it was. Um It's a long process, you see, and I think it was, uh, I spent over a month, I think, in the hospital, right. and back, and then they linked me up with a, a unit called the Polar Unit in the Mercy Hospital. Yeah. So I've been working with them, like, you know, and okay. they provided, like, it's the HSE who paid for it. The HSE, yeah. and and I see you walked in here on, on a crutch, um, so it, it I read from your Facebook post, it's it's just a standard fairly awkward thing there's no way you'll ever be able to cycle or do your football with that no no honestly no yeah and is it painful to wear yeah it is like this the socket is painful like you know yeah i mean it's okay like when you wear it for 30 minutes like you know yeah. but then after like it's like, like you're, you're you're wearing pain. it in yeah. here now um how long before and you're sitting opposite me here now but how long before it begins to become painful Like like thirty thirty minutes, like you know. Right, really, yeah. And that's not just a case of getting used to it. it like, how, when did you get the, the the prosthetic? I got it last year. Yeah, last year I think. So what have you got? Have you got it six months? Have you got it? it yeah, I think yeah, but yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, roughly yeah, six yeah. months or that, even more. I don't that's longer than yeah. it should take to bed down. So, and you you can't. I mean, you're 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 on crutches. You you can't run. No, no, you no, can't walk. No, no, you can't cycle. Honestly, for what I want to do, like I definitely know that like mm. this won't help me. Like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, that's it's, how I feel about it's it. It's depressing and upsetting. It is depressing and upsetting. Yeah. Now, if you look at television and you'll see athletes, there are athletes with with amputees doing all sorts of different things. Yeah, and you see the prosthetics that they have light springy you know you that that's what you want is it well it's it's, it's different like you know the, are you talking about the blade yeah the blade or anything or any kind of a lighter 
prosthetic. Oh, yeah, no. You've been looking into the kind of prosthetics that are yeah, there. Yeah, I've been looking, and there they have some good microprocessor prosthetic there, like you know, okay. there are obvious, like you know, and good quality, like you know, yeah. that improves life, you know. Yes. And they're safe, like as well. Yes. Yeah. How much do they cost, Yusuf? Oh, there's a range like up from thirty to hundred thousand, like. Yeah. Yeah. And you've started a GoFundMe to try to get help. That's right, yeah. You have. Mm. What kind of response have you had? At the moment, it's... When we when we first started, uh, it got viral, but then it stopped. Mm. And then after... After uh, we published on the COVID edition, yeah. yeah, it started going up again. Okay. Put those headphones on, um, because they're there in front of you on your right. Yeah, Kieran, Kieran Walsh is from Cove News. Uh, hold on a while. There, there he is. Kieran Walsh is from 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 Cove News and uh, is is supporting you in your campaign. Kieran, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Um, how did you get to How did you get to meet and to know Yusuf? Um, to be quite honest with you, I haven't actually met or know. Yusuf at all, yes. Um, it was actually a, a mutual friend, and a friend of Yusuf came to me and asked, could I help in the campaign and maybe get it out there? I, I manage several social media pages, and the likes of Cope News would have a big big audience. So I, I, obviously, when I heard the story, I felt an awful lot of empathy for a young man who can improve his quality of life which a, a prosthetic limb that costs a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, what it can do for a young man is not a lot of money if we can get the community and the wider Cork public behind it. Yeah, you, you, you set up and you're operating the GoFundMe. There's 3,000 in there now. The goal the goal is 72,000. Um, yeah, um, I mean... To be honest, the GoFundMe is only, or the, the page is only on the go for the last five or six days. So the initial response has been magnificent. And I'm like, it's obviously a lot of that has come from the local Cove community, but obviously getting it out onto the Cork airwaves and maybe beyond I'm in, and highlighting it like for a very young man. And I'm like, you can't but feel empathy for this for con- condition, you know? Yeah. Like, Yusuf, stay there, Karen. How much does this limit your life now? I mean, you're 22. How much does this limit your life at the moment? Percentage? Um, No, just uh, what can you not do, obviously, apart from the obvious? Well, I can't walk. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I can't walk. Like, I can't uh, basically do the things that I used to enjoy, you know. Cycling, walking without thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. All these basic things. Like. Yeah. And for someone who, what, two years ago was young and fit and playing football yeah. and cycling, it must be hard mentally, is it? It is. It is. Mm. Mm. And if people could come together and help? That would be fantastic. Like, you know. Okay. Kieran Cove is a, is a great place for people to, to get behind their own. Um, this is a lad who, who, who's been living there since he was 15. His parents were living there before that, went to school in the local school, lots of local friends, well-known around the place, a talented footballer, runner, 
cyclist just wants to get back at it and and you want to you want to get behind him uh, yeah Cove has a long history of getting behind uh, or uh, a long community history of getting behind these kind of cases anyway but I'm like I, I do a bit of work with breaking the silence there as well and you know what you said about the mental aspect I'm like any little thing you can do to help yeah. along the way and I'm like mentally this must be very scaring for you so yeah. Tell me about so, breaking the silence. What's that about? Uh, breaking the silence is a suicide awareness uh, group set up in Cove, and it's one of the largest groups in the country. Um, our chairman John Mansworth does fantastic work there with the HSE, yeah. etc. So um, we we we'd be the body that's behind Cove Darkness into Lies. Yes, uh, we run that every year as well, and. Yeah. Um, but from from that point of view alone, I'm like mental health, etc., is is top of the agenda of the health agenda in the country at the moment. I'm like, so if we can help you sort of improve his mental health, get back to being what should be a fit, active yeah. young man that can carry on as normal with with his friends, even walking around, going yeah. to town or whatever. I'm like not have the hindrance of even people knowing that he's on a prosthetic and that's that's how much this bionic limb can improve his life. Yeah, yeah, the limb in particular, bionic is an old, old word. God has been around since the 70s. Yeah, I can, I, I can remember the six million dollar man, so I presume you can as well. I can, but I don't think Yusuf does. <laughs> no, I don't think so, no. <laughs> But, it's a uh, television show, yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, what you're looking for really is if anybody in Cove or the surrounding district wants to do a fundraiser, big deep, run a draw. You you going you you going or you go to the Car College Cam, do you, Yusuf? Uh, well, I was doing a level five course there, and then okay. you finished had to that, yeah, okay. and I was I went to St John's. Uh, to do a level six in cybersecurity. Okay. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That's that's, that's your very interest, cybersecurity. Excellent. And and you worked down at Dupuis as well. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, someone might might come together and and see can something be done for you. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So, you know, and I mean, it's look, it's 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 an ask. It's it's a lot of money to raise, but like you say, there you are at twenty two with your life curtailed in a way that you never envisaged. All right. Kieran, thank you for that. And Yusuf, thank you so much for coming in. And I, I really do uh, wish you well with this. Thank you and, so and much. And we're happy to plug the, pl- plug the whole thing. It's called Disability to Mobility. We're happy to plug it for you. Happy to see what, what people will come on board and maybe get you to that. And so hopefully someday you'll spring in that door to me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you <laughs> so much. Rather than hobbling on a crutch. And it, it is most unfortunate that our public health system which did give you a leg in fairness and did pay for it but you shouldn't be on crutches either should you well no, i'm still in the process of rehabilitation like yes yeah yeah so when you're but it's not going well at the moment because the leg doesn't it's just not no no i know that uh i won't like be able to do the things that i used to do yeah. Like, you know yeah okay i know well, I, well, maybe with the cooperation of businesses and the cooperation maybe of listeners or anybody else who's who's in and the the, the lots of people who, who know you yeah um maybe maybe we can help out hopefully yeah. thank you for coming in and the very best of luck thank you so much cheers and yusuf's facebook is there uh you can look up uh, disability to mobility yusuf Conley. 
uh, he's on Facebook you can join that page his fundraiser I think is on GoFundMe if you just look for regaining full mobility or or look up Bionic Leg you'll find it and listen no pressure on anybody but if you feel you'd like to help then go right ahead. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in solidfueldepot.ie. Mark does uh, kind of like adult Lego every day, really. Isn't yeah. it? That's what he does. Yeah. Every kid's dream. Yeah. Stick things together. <laughs> you work as a professional scaffolder. Facebook started in 2004 and Lewis Capaldi was number six, so I'm afraid. Thank you. Oh, lads, we'll try again. You will try again. Yeah. Goodbye, Mark. <laughs> you were less scam, more folding, to be honest with you. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Stena Line, where something big has arrived to the Irish Sea. Stena Estred, now sailing from Dublin to Holyhead. See StenaLine.ie. Corks 96 FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. Still comments coming in about David Cullinan and, and what he did at that victory party and standing up and shouting up the ran, Chucky or Law. Look, it was done in the context of celebrating a massive vote in the election. That was his defence and based on the people who inspired him politically and historically. That's where that came from. He's not apologising for it. These are the people who in, inspired him. Uh, a couple of comments. Can you imagine Michal Martin now going to his party to ask to go into talks with Sinn Féin? They'll laugh at him and say they haven't changed and stay away. And with all the small parties, they won't touch them now. All their good work is in vain. But the Irish are quick to forget. If not for the IRA, you'd be singing God Save the Queen. There's no future without the past. That comes from a Kiwi. And this one says, when Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael were in government, the politics was always the rich would get richer and the poor would get poorer with them out of the equation. The rest of the parties want equality. I hope we have a Sinn Féin-led government. Whatever way that gobshite celebrated was just uh, celebrating. And the IRA are no longer there, so it's stupid even making a mountain over this. Times are changing. But even if further down the line we had a referendum to get United Ireland, it wouldn't happen overnight to take at least 20 years. Look how much money it would cost the taxpayer. Uh, time for change, says John. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Now, I, if, if someone asked you to define the word, if, you get, if it came up on a table quiz, uh, what is biophilia? Would you know what the answer is? If someone said to you, what's biophilia? What's the answer? Would you know? Would you think you know? Would you have the first idea? what it's about. Biophilia. I promise you, A, it's not sinister. And B, I'll tell you what it is next. 1850-715-996. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online 
you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Focus coal, turf, gas, and kiln-dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with your update on Corks Live Scene. A regular star on RTE's Republic of Telly and Damo and Ivor, Tom O'Mahony takes the audience on a comedic journey, bringing the house down every time he performs. You can catch him when he comes to City Limits Comedy Club this Saturday night. The Lonesome West by Martin McDonough returns to the Everyman for 10 performances running from Tuesday, April 7th. In 2018, under the direction of the Everyman's artistic director, Julie Kelleher, McDonough's vicious comedy was a hit with audience and critics alike and scored a nomination in the Best Supporting Actor category for John McCarthy at the Irish Times Theatre Awards. Access all areas. The Orchard's Chamber Music Festival takes place from February 28th to March 1st, celebrates its fifth birthday this year. Directed by acclaimed musicians, violinist Mairead Hickey and cellist Sinead O'Halloran, Ortis 2020 will welcome back some of this generation's most sought-after musicians. Check out ortisfestival.ie for full programme details. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96FM. So, did you think about what biophilia is? Let's go to Mark O'Callaghan at the National Botanic Gardens. Mark, good morning. How are you doing? What is biophilia? Well, it might seem like a bit of a strange day to talk about biophilia today because the snow has been swirling around outside here. There's a bitter wind. But at the same time, we've all spent the time probably over the weekend, I know I have, glued to my phone, looking through election results, constantly looking at screens. So a bit of biophilia is the very much the best thing to do, even on a day like today. I'll tell you what it is. It's simply the love of the humans have for living things and lifelike processes. The innate affinity that we have for nature, because that makes sense, because we're part of nature, we're not apart from it. And is that, if you like, plants or animals or both? The whole lot, to be honest. So plants, animals and landscapes, because, you know, we originated, you know, on the African savanna. We were surrounded by nature for thousands of years. While, while in more recent years, I suppose, we're spending more time indoors in buildings. We're spending less time out getting our food, either farming or, or hunting, whatever. So these, but these kind of processes, these kind of instincts are very much part of what makes us up. So even though we don't spend, even though now we spend the day commuting to work in our cars, we sit in an office all day, we still actually need to experience some nature for, not just for our mental health, but for our physical well-being as well. So in some ways it can be quite complex. I mean, loads of different people have theorized about this over the centuries, but it boils down to the fact that uh, because we're part of nature, we need to get into it a bit for our own our own good. Mm. So a walk in the country or a stroll in the meadow of an afternoon you're saying it's not just good for our mental health it's actually good for our physical health how is it good for our physical health it's good for our physical health in that well we've there's, there's no numerous studies been done because people have studied this now from the world of medicine from the world of fitness from you know as well as the likes of philosophy and design but if you walk in a park say as opposed to running in a gym the it actually, your cardiovascular health, um, you know, the heart, the lungs, etc., that'll all actually be affected. Um, the improvement in your fitness will be better if you walk in a green space than if you uh, were just walking around indoors. Um, the actual process is the brain. Um, you know, in modern life, basically, we spend a lot of time kind of focusing, concentrate on little tasks that need to be done. We're worrying about n- numerous different things at a time. If you go out and spend some time, even during, during your lunch break, walking in the park, it, uh, 45 minutes of that will, no, not possible every day maybe, but 45 mm. minutes of that will actually help to slow down some of these kind of uh, front brain processes. And it, it's been proven that the kind of frontal lobes of the brain will slow down. That allows all the kind of little bits of healing that needs to go on in the brain. Mm. So uh, not just your kind of the way you feel about the day, but even just the actual process in the brain itself. It improves your cognition. It improves your um, the, your uh, levels of blood pressure will drop. People who have uh, diabetes, their blood sugar levels will will stabilize uh, just from spending some time in nature and if a number of days are spent out in nature there's actually a three-day effect where people will um, perform better in tasks having been out in nature for a while but it doesn't have to be um, you don't have to go off to the Wicca Mountains for or, or to the mountains in, in Cork and Kerry for uh, the, the whole weekend to get the benefits even just you know spending time in your own garden yeah. uh, if you have one um, and, and, and your local park will help. I was just about to get to that, actually. My, my missus loves the garden, and she we only have a tiny little garden, but, but she, in the evening time, it's almost part of her day. She'll come in from work, grab a quick coffee, and she's out in the garden, and it doesn't matter what she's doing. She's poking at something, she's digging, she's potting, she's doing something around the garden. And she comes in, and that 20 minutes is such a part of her day. 
It's brilliant. Um, it really is. Uh, it has a number of benefits because, first of all, when you're out gardening, you're doing something very constructive. And you're first of all, you're out there getting the benefits I already mentioned. You're outside, you're breathing in the fresh air. And, of course, we're connected to nature as well. We breathe in the oxygen that the trees give us and the plants. Then when we breathe out car- carbon dioxide, they get that benefit as well. But anyway, we get so we're outside enjoying it and we're getting all those benefits. But at the same time, then, we're kind of it's good for our mental health in that we're kind of you know, even just pottering away, you're doing something constructive, you're helping things to grow, and that's actually very good for our personal growth as well. Mm-hmm. And even apart from that, just digging into the soil, there's actually a beneficial soil bacteria. For Like, soil isn't just dirt, it's the whole kind of transport system and um, support system for all the plants that grow on it, and then, of course, all the animals that live there as well. Mm. So this system, uh, the soil basically contains billions upon billions of bacteria, some of which are actually very beneficial for our health. They would help to, um, there's a one particular one, Mycobacterium vaccae, which has been isolated from soil. And that's for people who are exactly, for example, in, even in palliative care, their, their, their comfort can be increased by having exposure to this bacterium. So that's why, that's one reason gardeners just feel happy from getting dirt on their hands. They're actually, they're getting the benefit of these bacteria as well as the benefit of just being outside. Yeah. You have also started now at the Botanic Gardens a thing called Biophilia Tours. How Indeed. That, how can someone just call you and book and go up and see this? Is, what is it? is it? Is it just a tour around the gardens? It's, well, yeah, we, number, we offer a number of tours around the gardens. The gardens are free to visit. The Biophilia Tour, now, we started it off in the first Fortnite Festival two years ago, 2018. Uh, one of our guides developed this tour, the Biophilia Tour, kind of exploring the reasons and the different studies and all the different uh, medical benefits you get from nature. Mm. And we decided to expand that tour because it was so popular. And we, it's basically a tour of the gardens and a tour of the gardens through our senses because, of course, we experience the world through our senses. So we kind of go through all the different senses and it, it kind of explains why we have these connections to nature. So we go out and look at things, we go out and listen to things, we go out and smell the, the smells of all the pine trees and all the rest of it. Mm. And we're getting be- different benefits from all these different things. And it kind of, and it kind of we try and explain a bit about why these things are good for us, but it's not a kind of a, a lecture as such. It's not kind of a prescription or anything either. It's really just a, it's an experiential thing. People get out there and we kind of go into the background of some of these things um, and see all the different aspects of the gardens themselves, which are beautiful, mm. which changes throughout the year, of course, as well. And um, we just experience, and we kind of give a few little tips about things you can do in your own life to, you know, be more, get more biophilia into your life, get more of the outdoors. And it's all quite simple stuff. Something that, as you as you speak to me, is is as yeah. a penny dropping in my head. As you, I don't know what the weather was like in Dublin towards the back end of last week. With a couple of lovely, yes, what you might call early spring days. We really did. Yeah, week. there was a bit of a kind of false spring effect there. We had a lovely week last week. Yeah. And I was driving home one afternoon, and I got out of the car, and and somebody, I live in an estate, and somebody had been cutting grass. Yeah. And I got that lash, that first lash of fresh cut grass, and it put. Literally, I'm not making this up. It put a spring in my step. Well, of course, that's what... Is like, that biophilia at work? It, it is, though. It is partially. It is indeed. Because the thing is, now, humans, we tend to... Sight is our main kind of sense. If we're lucky enough to be, to be sighted, we, sight is the main thing we focus on. We t- tend to forget about smell quite a bit. But smell, then, is very much linked to memory as well. So it's, it's quite complex, but... You'll, you'll get that, you're, you're actually getting the smell of the, the chemicals being released from the grass when it's cut. <laughs> now, of course, we wouldn't say to cut every bit of grass because one great thing about biophilia is we'd say to leave some corners, if people are, you know, some different things people do is... Leave they a little have, meadow to grow. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, this so, had just been someone yes, on the indeed. road had been cutting for the first time with the first smell of it in yeah. 2020. I thought, wow, indeed, and that's, yeah. So immediately you had that connection with the natural world. Yeah. Even though you weren't looking for it, it just happened. And that's the thing with the biophilia tours. People will get the benefit even if they've just been dragged along for the walk. And, they, you know, even any, anyone at all just walking in their local green space you don't have to be even looking to do, to get biophilia or anything it'll just 
it'll happen. That's the benefit of kind of nature therapy and all the rest of it. It's it's free and it's available to pretty much everyone. Excellent. And if anybody wants to go to the Botanic Gardens to experience it in the home of this, uh, botanicgardens.ie is and the website. Uh, indeed it is. And the, we offered the tour throughout January and we're going to offer it, I think, once a month then uh, throughout the spring and summer months. And we can actually just offer it for groups as well. So if people want to contact us, our contact details are there on the website. And groups can book in for a body of field tour. We had a group of mental health nurses in last week, for example. And I think they got great benefit out of it because it was just kind of saw things from a different perspective because, we, we, you know, obviously they're going to be working with people um, who really will need, uh, as part of their therapy regime, they'll need something like a, a bit of biofilia will certainly help them. Excellent. All right, just leave it there. Mark O'Callaghan at the uh, National Botanic Gardens. Thank you. Biophilia, a whole new term. This is the enjoyment of nature. Another term that comes up when you're talking about biophilia is forest bathing. What on earth is forest bathing? Avril! Good morning. What How are you? Forest bathing. <laughs> I, I, I thought when I read it, I know some fellas have to set up a paddling pool in the middle of a, in the middle of the woods, and then going to go and jump into it and freeze the you know what's off myself. It's not quite that no. though. No, there are no stripping off in, included um, at all. Uh, it's actually a direct translation of the Japanese um, term shinrin yoku. Shinrin yoku. Okay. S h i n r i n hyphen y o k u. And in the 1960s, uh, a number of people in Japan recognized the benefits of walking through the trees and um, developed a method of connecting with nature. So it's not a hike. You could be doing it um, around half a dozen trees. It's actually a method of opening your senses one by one and um, slowing down. And I was listening to your previous contributor, and I was going, yep, we can, we're on the same turf. Um, it's a very, for people who are looking at concrete blocks and steel and glass all day and are getting stressed, this is a way of just taking time out. Um, you don't have to be fit or anything like that. It's taking time out. It's going through a process. And what we do is... When we le- we're just guides who allow people to open their senses to what's around them and benefit from that. And it's all done by invitation. So it's not a case of a prescription where this is what you do and this is what you're going to feel. Everybody is individual and everybody responds differently. Mm. So it's all done. People can participate as fully or not as they wish. And you're doing this on your own farm. Yes. <laughs> uh, it started last, it started two years ago. Um, I'm one of four farmers involved in West Cork Farm Tours. Right. Um, which is a whole other um, area because in a farm tour, we're going, it's, a par- it's almost an education and introducing people to everyday farm life. And the other three farmers involved are dairy farmers. So for people who are, you know, you might be two generations away from farming, and you may not have been on a farm in reality, you know, ever, or maybe once or twice. So this is a, it's a different type, type of thing. But in our farm, in Carabeg, apart from our herd of free-range outdoor pigs, we have about 50 acres of trees. Okay. Different species, different areas of stages of growth and agroforestry and stuff like that. And I was aware of people coming on for a farm walk who were checking their phones as to what time they'd be back before they'd started, before they'd left the yard. And yet by the time we returned to the yard, they were almost 
I won't say horizontal, but they were really relaxed. So I started to research this, the effect of the trees. I knew how it affected me because I came back to ready to start, you know, back into the normal work working life of Carabeg and uh, Ross Carberry recipes. And this, I, I, I reckon there was something in it. And I found Shindran Yonkul and I started to read about it. My husband was very kind. He bought me a rake of books about it. And then I found um, a one of one of three people in Europe qualified to train people in this therapy. Right. And she's Irish. And I work very much in collaboration. So um, there was actually nine of us quali- trained in West Cork and we're launching West Cork for Forest Bathing West Cork on International Tree Day on the 21st of March officially. But About how long would your average session of forest two hours? Two hours. Okay. And it, it, you will not be I mean you if you want to go on a hike that's a whole different ball game. Mm. This is almost um, a slowing down right. and just becoming aware of your surroundings. And you can take away I mean I have so I mean, is there a walk involved? Is there a distance yes, involved? There's a little. There's a little bit of a walk. It depends. Uh, all of us, we're all qualified. We're all qualified, and we all operate out of different woodland. Obviously, I'm going to operate out of my own woodland, but we have um, people operating from Manch Woods, Port McSherry Woods, uh, Castle Freak, okay. um, where else? Renine, um, uh, and more opening up as well. And um, we were launching a website, and that'll be all happening on the 21st of March. But if people are interested and want to email us, it's info at forestbathingwestcork.ie or mm-hmm. give my my phone number out. It's no hassle. Um, and it's it's a way of people connecting with nature. And even if you're living in the countryside, um, so many people are stressed because of very busy work lives, mm. um, working alone. Can yeah. can also you know you're so busy working that you don't have, take time to stop yeah. and at, just look at what you're working with. At a time when life is so manic, yes, you're looking for taking two hours out yes. to just disconnect, yes, and reconnect with yourself, yes. And what yes. do people say to you afterwards? Um, taken aback. Um, I had a group during a Taste of West Cork Food Festival last year. And um, one one woman just did not want to connect, as it were. She didn't want to share what she was feeling. Mm. But I was very aware of, she was very, very, um, I suppose, involved with what was happening. Mm. And um, uh, one uh, couple, uh, Finola Finlay, actually wrote a blog post about forest bathing on the Roaring Water Journal. Uh, which is a journal that they write about life in West Cork. Um, And different people have different experiences. But so far, what we're finding is that people are taking to it and are really benefiting from it and are booking back in for more more experiences. Is there a cost Um, involved? Yes, there is, I'm afraid. Time, time, time. Um, Time, time is, uh, time costs. And for us to do our experience... I put aside four hours, right. uh, two hours when people are there, but there's an, at least an hour beforehand in preparing because before we take anybody on a forest bathing experience, we actually walk the whole walk ourselves. Yeah. Make sure that everything is right. Make sure that everything is, you know, that if if things is in, in, in public woodland, for example, something might have happened, something might have, a tree might have fallen. 
So you have to turn around and, <laughs> and, and rejig yourself. So yes, there's a cost there's a cost involved, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. And if anyone wants to more find more, more information, give me that website again. Um, the the website isn't up yet. We've got an email address. It's info at forestbathingwestcork.ie. All right. Might be something to take up. And it does it. Yes. Do you do it at weekends or? People will. Um, it's, uh, for me, it'll be on different days uh, because I'm fitting in around my own. Yeah. Uh, regular work, and that's what everybody else is doing as well. Some people will will be doing uh, regular events on a Sunday. It'll be, I would reckon, when we're up and running between nine of us, we will have something on at least a couple of days a week. But it all depends on how the take up is. And this isn't, by the way, for big groups. Like we won't be taking more than about ooh, twelve people at a time, okay. so. because it's a you know you can go on a farm walk and we can take twenty people or more. But that's not, that's at a different pace and it's more education and introduction and more talking involved. Whereas this is much more to give people space. Okay. So it's smaller groups. Okay. All, All right. right. All right, Halvorell. Thank you for your time today. Sounds like a plan. 1850 715 Give you that information again. Shin Rin Yoku is a form of relaxing with the trees. They're going to do it in West Cork now. Kevin says, my brother does something like this. Cambo Medicine and Sound Healing. You can check him out on social media. I think it's under Eco Journeys Peru. 1850-715-996. Dee says it's the most West Cork thing she's ever heard. Yeah, it is the idea to walk around among the trees and just disconnect. Which might not be a bad idea given the craziness around us at the moment. 1850-715-996. Fergus said we're just a load of hippies. <laughs> Yusuf was in with me a while ago talking about his his difficulties. Uh, Fergal, a WhatsApp came in from Fergal. Cork City FC has an amputee team that play in the National League, always looking for new players. It'd be great if you could mention it. They train every week in Cope in Montanati, which is a fantastic sports facility up there. We've Yusuf knows about it, guys. He's just and when he gets himself half sorted, he will be mad to get involved, I think. Eighteen fifty seven one five uh nine nine six. Now we were talking in the run up to the election about childcare and the issues surrounding childcare and the difficulty in getting childcare. And you know that there were major demonstrations and walkouts and crashes closed up and down the country over the costs of trying to do it. And in a little straw poll, we've been discovering that an awful lot of childcare people voted um, voted for Sinn Féin. See, would they change something? Teresa Butler is from SIP2, uh, representing the childcare and early years sector. Teresa, we just have a, a, a brief couple of minutes. Um, did you think that the pre-election demonstrations, were they successful? Did they send a strong message? And maybe with whatever new government we have, will they listen? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks very much for having us on the show. Um, yes, we definitely think that it was a successful protest. 30,000 earlier educators, providers, managers, together with parents and students, took to the streets of Dublin on Wednesday last. So this sent a very strong message. And I suppose it was the first time in the history of the sector that it was so united. Um, we now, though, need to knuckle down and make sure that our demands are in the programme for government. Um, childcare has been made um, a major issue on the political agenda. 
and it was mentioned in all of the major parties' manifestos, but it's now the fight to make sure that it's it, you know, in the programme for government and that they commit to what they said in their manifestos to increasing um, investment into the sector to look after paying conditions, sustainability and affordability for parents. Yeah. Because it was, and we put out to our listeners in, in covering the campaign, we asked our listeners to bring to us the things that they wanted us to raise with the politicians, and it was certainly in the top three. It's definitely a huge issue. Parents are paying the highest childcare fees in all of Europe. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, providers are struggling to sustain their services and earlier educators are paid an average of 11.46 per hour. Yeah. So 61% of the sector are being paid below the living wage of €12.30. So in order to tackle this, we need to continue building our union so that we can get what's called the sectoral employment order. Yes. Um, and what we want to achieve is a living wage at a minimum this year in 2020 um, as a basis for building for professional pay scales. But we need to prove that we substantially represent the sector. Yes. So if we can get another 1,500 members to join SITSU in the coming months, we can go to the Labour Court for one of these orders. Yeah, and, and, and very briefly, and look, it's going to be a while it's going to be a few days, if possibly not longer, before we have any idea what sort of a government will be informed or will be formed from the numbers we now have. Are you hopeful that somebody might listen with now the, the change that agenda that's definitely there in the shape of the 33rd Doyle? Yes, we are confident that the government will listen. Um, we've been campaigning very heavily for the last four years. So we even got a minister in a Fine Gael-led government to encourage earlier educators to join a union. So if we can do that with a Fine Gael government, we can certainly do it with the government that are on the cards now. And Sinn Féin have committed heavily to workers' rights and to investing in the sector and to investing the money we need for a sectoral employment order. So we just have to keep the pressure on and make sure that these commitments make it into the programme for government. Do you think very briefly that, look, um, Catherine Zappone and Regina Doherty both lost their seats. Do you think this issue had anything to do with it? Well, I think Regina Doherty lost her seat because it was a separate issue around um, tips for hospitality workers where the trade union movement and student movement came together to try and bring in legislation to give hospitality workers a legal entitlement to their own tips and she blocked that legislation and then had the audacity in the run-up to the election to say that she brought in legislation to protect hospitality workers. So thanks to the, the work of the trade union movement together with some politicians and the student movement, we exposed that and it obviously worked and she lost her seat. Okay, going to leave it there for no reason other than time. Teresa, thank you, Teresa Butler from SIP2. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Miss Ellie, I think, wins treat of the day. In fact, it might even be hard to beat it in the course of the week. Treat of the day from Miss Ellie. What? Childcare people voted for Sinn Féin. Careful now. We'll have toddlers all over the country <laughs> singing up the ra. <laughs> Thanks for that. 1850-715-996. Text 083-396-9696. And the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Also, Mick Barry was on earlier this morning and I was asking Mick if Mary Lou MacDonald approached Solidarity People Before Profit to see would they support her in trying to form a government. You'll have heard there in the news that she's now been speaking to the Greens, to the Social Democrats and to Labour, which would get her up to 61 votes if they were to come on board. She's still well short of being Taoiseach. But Mick was saying one of the things that his party would be insisting on would be a €15 national minimum wage. 
This message is Mick Barry for real. €15 minimum wage. He'd close down so many small and medium-sized businesses. He clearly has no idea of the costs involved in running any kind of a business. Well, those are the kind of discussions we're going to be having over the next couple of days and weeks as people try to get together to form some kind of a government. But, you know, talking about things that haven't gone away, as we were earlier on with uh, David Cullinan and the likes, another thing that hasn't gone away are the EDs and the uh, emergency service, uh, the emergency uh, queues and trolleys and all that. Just see the trolley watch figures out again. An election doesn't make any of that go away. And Bernadette is in quite a difficult situation at the moment with your elderly parents. Bernadette, good morning to you. Good morning and thank you for giving me this platform. I'm a bit nervous, so bear with me, not please. Not at on all, not at all. Just relax and tell me a little bit about your, your parents. Okay, it's my mom. My mom was admitted to the CUH on Friday evening at half past five. Okay. My mom spent a total of 54 hours in A&E. How on old her is She's 89 next birthday. Okay. And my dad will be 91 in August. My father had a similar issue back in April. I was on a day in April. We thought 21 hours was bad. But... Um, Just talk to me about your mom. What, she came... Was, was she was she sent in by the had, doctor um, or what? No, the, the, the back story is basically, we thought, first of all, that my mom was having a mini stroke. So we were taking her to the bonds, but the bonds wouldn't take her. So they reversed us back to CUH. Yeah. And because they, they thought it was a mini stroke, she was brought straight through, right? right? So she was given a cubicle. And it transpired that my mom was, had an overload of fluid and she had a chest infection. Okay. So she was pretty serious. So my mom was quite contented to be in a, in the cubicle um, for the time she was there. So she was 48 hours uh, initially in the cubicle. Nice. And then due to emergencies coming in, they had to remove my mom from the cubicle at 7 o'clock on Sunday evening and put her back in the hall. Oh, but the sad part of this, this narrative is my dad went up and had to fight for his wife and begged them for a bed, but unfortunately their hands were tied behind their back. So at that stage, I had gone back to West Cork, and I rang bed management at 10 o'clock that night, and I asked them why was my mother, who was 89, with respiratory problems still in, in a trolley. Yeah. And they said, unfortunately, they could do nothing about it, but they were considering opening another ward, and I asked the question, on whose authority will you open the ward? Will it be a managerial or will it be down to staffing? Mm. And they said at the time they couldn't answer. So eventually at 12 o'clock, they opened a ward and they removed five elderly patients in total to a ward. And the sad part about this is that the next morning when I rang the bed management to complain, I rang, uh, I rang the risk management department and then I went to the bed management again. And they came back to me on about 3 o'clock on Monday, very apologetic. And I said, I understand your apologetics, but it doesn't make sense at this day and age why we have an elderly woman spending 54 hours in A&E. Yeah. 
Um, I said to them... And just one, I, one a question, Bernadette, at this point. When they did open up the ward and, and, and they took your mum off, off the corridor, like, was she put into... It was into a five-day ward. Yeah. It was a five-day ward. Right. But I was... Was she put I'm into a proper told. bed? Was there proper nursing care? Was there... It was. No. It was actually an electric procedure ward. So other patients' procedures had to be cancelled Monday because their beds had been taken off by the overflow in the A&E. Okay. Which is, uh, it, you would actually have to be there to experience it firsthand. Now, what I did experience in my time there was, there was a multitude of elderly people. Mm. And this problem can actually be very sad. And I'm hoping that the people of Cork will lobby the new politicians with a new brush coming clean, right? Mm. We need to open the A&Es again in Mallow. We need to open the A&Es in Bantry and take the overload off the hospital. Oh. We also need to take out as well the elderly people from that system. The elderly people, from what I could see, were the most vulnerable. They were disorientated. They had no privacy. A lot of them were incontinent, right? And there was an awful lot of confusion going on. And when I spoke to the head of bed management in the regional, um, they were very accommodating. And I did say I was going to do this. And they said, yes, that's good that you highlight the real issues here. And I said... So, so they actually, you told them you were going to go on the radio and they said, yeah, go right ahead. Oh, absolutely. And I told them I was going to the Echo as well. Absolutely. And I was okay. going to highlight this. Now, I got on to Michael Collins in Bantry and he's promised that he's take. he couldn't believe it either. And he's promising. He's taking it to the door next week. I got on to Tom's school, explained the story. Mm. They're, they're in disbelief of what's going on actually within our system. And I said, going back then to the, the going to bed management, I said to him, would you consider removing right, removing the vulnerable, removing the elderly out of the A&E there? Mm-hmm. Because they're so susceptible for health risks and also for uh, risks to um, falls or anything else. Yeah. They have no privacy. Yeah. And I said, is there anywhere? And what you do is you'd, you'd alleviate the, 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 the foot passage going through the A&E. Yeah. And I said, is there anywhere where we could open them? He said, actually, St. Finbar's Hospital. Now, I remember years ago, that's aging myself here, when St. Finbar's will have an a and They there. did, they did, yeah. And I said, is there beds there? And he said, there's actually beds there. They're not being used. Yeah, yeah. And they were hoping, right, that the people would come behind, the ma- instead of us tearing at the management, and, you know, we come behind them and rally the new TDs and let this be a priority, just to take the overload from the main COH mm. and distribute the load back to where it should be back to North Cork, back to West Cork, and give the elderly a place of dignity and yeah. respect. Because we can't look after our elderly people. Yeah. That's saying an awful lot about our country. We have an inclusive country now. We're supposed to respect everybody, regardless, creed, colour, or class. But where is the respect for the elderly people? We have a growing population. Yeah. What do they pose to do? If the system is all wrong, it's not fit for purpose. And they actually agree. And they're hoping by this interview and by other people coming on board, that the priority for the next government, rather than saying who's going to make it or whatever, the priority is let's look after the most vulnerable. We're all going to be elderly one day. And if we can't look after our own elderly people, 
It says an awful lot about the real, the mandate. Are you saying, Bernadette, that, and take Finbar's as as a prime example, because like you said correctly, there was an emergency department there. There also was one at the South Infirmary of Victoria. In fact, at one point we had four or five of them around the city. Plus, you're right, there was one in Mallow and there was one in Bantry. But are are you suggesting maybe that Finbar's would become a place specifically yes. for our seniors. And I tell you why. Because there's respite beds there as well. Now, it's very hard to access the respite beds there, but it makes a lot more sense because how the way I would see it working is that if you present, right, to your, say, if you're just coming from the Cork area, my mum is from Balancolic, okay? So my mum goes into CUH. They're seen relatively straight away. Is it a medical problem or is it a surgical problem? If it's a medical problem, move them out straight away. Allocate them over to St. Finbar's. If it's a surgical, then they stay there. The same would apply in the North Cork area and the same would apply in the West Cork area. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. And the hospital agreed with me. Yes, it can be done. Back at the time when they closed the EDs, or there were A&Es then, but back in the time when they closed them in Finbar's and they closed them in the, in the South in particular uh-huh. and, the, and, that, and all that, the experts were saying you need to concentrate the people where the expertise is. But back then, people predicted that this would happen. They predicted that CUH would get overcrowded. They predicted the Mercy would get overcrowded. All this has now come home to roost. But what you, what you seem to be suggesting to me is that the bed management people are saying to you, yes, we need to rethink absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I'll tell you why. There's one thing to forget. We have an increase in our population. We have a problem with our housing. We have a problem with homeless. I'm very active with the homeless in the streets. And I see the same thing. We have elderly people in the streets, right, but can't access, right? And a lot of them won't go in because they're going to be left there and they're lost. Elderly people are getting lost in the system. A lot of elderly people, from what I witnessed, were on their own. There's a fear factor there. Mm. Why would we do that then? Because what we're actually doing is we're forerunning it for ourselves. Do we really want that kind of system? We're supposed to be a, a first world country, what, with a 50 world healthcare? That's the way I'm seeing it. I believe in Turkey, it's an eight hour turnaround. England's much faster. Why is it taking oh, 50 oh, in England, hours? In England, the, in England and, and people, the British people, they complain bitterly about the state of their NHS. But if you're not seen and receiving some kind of care inside four hours in the UK, it's considered an unacceptable wait, let alone. Well, now, you know, your mum was receiving care, but she wasn't admitted to hospital within four hours. Four, 54 hours. Yeah, but this is the problem. And this, this is what needs to be highlighted. I believe, personally for me, because I've been there for so long, and this is the second time around my parents. But this isn't about my parents. This is about everybody in Ireland. Every single person, whoever you are. Because one day... God willing, if you live long enough, you are going to be old. Is this the healthcare system we want? It can be solvable. Take out a portion, open up the A&Es again, and take the elderly to St. Finbar's because it's already got respite beds in St. Finbar's. It makes a lot of sense, and even the management in the hospital agreed with me. Right. But they said they can't yeah. her tied behind the back because the politicians come down, they look, there's lip service, there's no action. We need now a government... Now, that are going to get going to work for what the only thing that I would say to the management in the hospitals, and they know I would say this because I've said it before, you know, they'll complain to you, and you'll say, I'm going on the radio and I'm going on the echo and whatever, and they say, Good, go ahead. 
But they're the very same management who, when they hear there's a Minister for Health in the county, let alone in the city, hey presto, click your fingers, you won't see a trolley for miles. Instead of leaving the Minister, walk into this carnage. Why do they continue that pantomime, let the Minister walk into the carnage and say, we can't do this because of your policies? I understand that and I can answer them. But I, I was when I was spoke to the head of bed management yesterday, a very amicable guy, he's there one year. Yeah, they're all very professional absolutely. people and very decent people, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's supposed to be a centre of excellence. It is a centre of excellence once you access it. Yeah. The nurses, the staff, they're absolutely brilliant. But the thing is, we need to cheat. We need more A&E's bottom line. We need to take the elderly out of there. Another thing as well, they're so susceptible, right? other diseases, right, because their, their, their immune system is down. They're liable to pick up everything in the corridor. I went in there again last night. Now, I walked through it. There was no, there was, the people were standing in the out part of the A&E waiting to get through those doors. The trolleys were full. I threw my eye across them. The amount of elderly people there. The elderly people that were there on their own. The fear of the look of their faces. It was absolutely shocking. Yeah. We, you know, and I'm talking from what I can experience myself. Now, the staff, as I said, are brilliant. But we need to lobby the politicians to consider opening up, it's common sense, opening up our A&Es and take the overflow from CUH or the Mercy Hospital. They can't because we have an increased population. And I believe that's going to be the difference. Yeah. Bernadette, great call. And I wonder, will anybody listen? Well, I'm going to knock at every door, and I can assure you, and I would like the people of Cork as a priority, because your health is your weapon. Well, we've told 18 people now, in the last week, we've told 18 people to go Mm -hmm. and work for us, go and do a job for us. Mm -hmm. So you'll be knocking on their doors in the fullness of time. Oh, absolutely, I intend to. I have to. I can't let it go. Yeah. How how is your mum now? Mum is still uh, still in oxygen, still in nebulizers, still trying to uh, attack that... Um, she in a bed? Infection. She's in the five-day bed, but she's not up in the ward yet. She's not actually physically in the ward she should be in. So she's, she's, st- in she's still ward. in the temporary bed they put her into the other night? Yes. yes. She's still not where she needs to be? No, absolutely not. Crikey. It's, I mean, it's all, you, you, would, you couldn't make this stuff up. And how's your dad? He must be very upset. He's extremely upset. He's ex- distraught. He can't believe it. As he's already of his life that, you know, you have to be there to watch an elderly man of 90 years begging and pleading for his wife to get a bed after 48 hours and she's still there 54 hours later. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, and this is what the politicians need to be hearing. They really need to hear the, you know, the, the rawness of the, the story. Because there's a lot of raw, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of hurt. And irrespective with your VHI or with your public patient, everybody's entitled to, sorry, everybody's entitled to some respect, some dignity, some compassion. And a healthcare that provides for its elderly. Bernadette, I'm going to leave it there. I'll come back to this topic, but my next guest has just stepped out for a moment to take my call. Uh, Bernadette, thank you very much. Um, food for thought. We'll come back to it. I appreciate your comments at 1850 I want to go straight to Frank Bottomer, though, because there's a very strange story was in the papers I'm reading from the examiner in the last few days of a woman who was prosecuted for possession of child pornography. 
Now, why was she prosecuted? Because she had failed to properly delete a video that was sent to her on WhatsApp. Uh, she, her name was Otto Omo Delphin Omorodzi, and she was the innocent victim of a video that began innocuously. So this thing came into her WhatsApp. She deleted it from her WhatsApp. But she ended up before the courts and in trouble. Uh, Gardaí were carrying out an unrelated investigation, went to search a house. Now, this happened in Dublin, where she was living. And she was not the target of the operation, but her phone was seized. And the video had been saved onto the phone, which apparently happens when you open stuff on WhatsApp and whatever. So she was charged with possession that she innocently came into the possession of something. And she got a suspended sentence. Uh, the judge in in the case, it was Judge Pauline Codd, uh, she said she was the innocent recipient of a video which began innocuously. Um, a very, very, very odd story. And she got a fully suspended sentence. But we decided we'd catch up with one of Cork's top criminal lawyers, uh, Frank Bottomer. Uh, because, uh, Frank, it is a very unusual situation and one which, if by the reading of the story, any one of us could find ourselves in that position. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Yeah, it certainly presents us an unusual set of facts. Although I have myself come across quite a similar set of facts in a matter of which I would some. Could you get a little closer to your phone, Frank, if you would? Yeah, sorry, you're down on the line. I'm very, very sorry about that. It's not a unique set of facts, I would have thought. And certainly, um, it is a matter of concern that an event of that kind could happen, leading to the consequence of the kind that has happened. But I wouldn't say entirely unique. Um, equally, where there is clearly a situation where somebody could come into innocent possession, as it were, uh, there are then obligations upon people if they know that there is such possession to ensure that they remain innocent of any further you know, activity. Yeah. And it, it is probably not the receipt of the material onto the phone which would have caused the concern. But in some fashion or other, the retention of the item on the phone yeah. or alternatively, the possibility, which does happen from time to time, by the way, of onward distribution. My advice would certainly be that if anybody happens to receive innocently any such material, uh, A, clearly delete the material. B, if there's an actual concern about what has been received, obviously to report the matter to Angarda Shiakona, yeah. and they'll attend to it. And your actions in terms of reporting will certainly, you know, uh, assist any such person yeah. in establishing any, you know, any necessary innocence. Because I'm thinking yeah. in terms of the fact that everyone's now on any number of different WhatsApp groups. And if one member of the group receives a message, then it goes to the whole group and everyone's got it. But the right. thing is, you might see it and not want to look at it and delete it. But the concerning part of this case was, you actually, there's a, there's a, there's a digital footprint of you having this. Correct. So, so innocent possession, Frank, is that a defence, innocent possession? Absolutely, yeah. The, 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 the prosecution under the legislation, uh, PJ, requires you knowingly to be in possession and knowingly requires intent and knowledge. And the intent and knowledge will then be, if you like, determined by the facts of the given case. But, but, but the truly innocent receipt, unintentionally and unknowingly of such material, cannot have itself render you guilty in relation to a, a prosecution. In fact, were you to, were there to be 
a discovery of such material and were you to have a fully innocent explanation and, you know, having taken appropriate action, a prosecution would not be mounted. Yeah. Knowing, knowingly is, is the criteria. You, 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 there has to be knowledge and intention in terms of the receipt or alternatively having received it were you to want to continue then to remain in possession knowingly, then that would put you in difficulty. But if you were to receive such material innocently, unknowingly, and then discover it, you could not be culpable in that respect. It it, it reminds us, does it not, of the importance, Frank, of in the ever-expanding digital space in which we now live, that we need to be very careful of what we look at and what we read and what we save. True. Uh, Across the three matters that you raised, what we look at, what we receive and what we save, I suppose one may receive material onto a telephone, let us say, unknowingly or innocently, and then one goes ahead and looks at it. Well, that's innocent, obviously. However, were one to retain it, that would create a difficulty. Or to send it forward. Or to send it. Well, there's equally then, DJ, another offence under the same legislation, which is the knowing distribution of such material. And uh, without going into detail, I have come across a case of that kind where the facts do seem to be similar and where, for one reason or another, there was a distribution for what seems to be innocent purposes, but the fact or the act of distribution, which was knowing or you know, with knowledge at the time, rendered uh, prosecution possible because of the actual act of the distribution and the way in which it was done, rather than, let us say, taking the measure. If you are concerned, we all know what we should, we all know what we're looking at, I would have thought. Yes. So, even among your innocent, among in an innocent way, among your friends, you might receive something. Oh God, that's quite distasteful. Shall we use, just use that word, distasteful? That's yeah. distasteful. And you'd say, "Have you seen what I got?" You and send it to your mate John. You've actually distributed it. You have, yeah, and that is an absolute offence and renders you liable. Absolutely, okay. uh, PJ, to prosecution. The care that one needs to take with matters of that kind in the circumstances that you outline would be absolutely at the highest level. One has to be very careful about such acts. All right. Frank, thank you for your time. I know you're in court and you stepped out to take our call. Thank you very much. That's Frank Bottomer, one of Cork's uh, leading criminal law solicitor. solicitors. That woman was innocently caught up in, in something um, that over which she had no control and she ended up in court. This, this is uh, the... The woman called, her name has gone there again. Yes, Omo Delphin Omarui was caught up in this unwittingly, uh, but still ended up in court. And as Frank said, it's, and we're all stuck in different WhatsApp groups now. And what if you get a message and it's distasteful? And you know what I mean by distasteful. Don't ask me to spell it out. But you get a message that is distasteful. If someone sent you, a video like that. What do you do? What could you do? I mean, it could happen to any of us. It could, particularly those of us in big WhatsApp groups. I'm not in any big ones. I'm in a few small ones, mostly work-related. So I would hope it wouldn't come from... I know it wouldn't come from work. But if you get a video that is distasteful and that you know you probably shouldn't have and probably shouldn't be looking at, what do you do with it? If you delete it off of your WhatsApp stream... According to this court case, there's still a digital footprint there that that you watched it or had it or saved it. If you send it to your mate and say, come here, do you see this thing I got? Then you're distributing it. 
There was also a case recently where two men were talking about what they would do to a child. And also teenagers, this is the thing, teenagers sexting one another comes under this category because in particular if you've 12, 13 and 14 year olds and don't kid yourselves, they're doing it. 12, 13 and 14 year olds and 15 year olds sending each other dick pics. This is true and I have this from someone who works in the area. If your teenagers are doing that, sending each other those kind of pictures, they are actually distributing porn. It's actually a crime. We got need to be so, so careful. 1850-715-996. But if you got a video or a picture like that, what would you do? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven-day delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie There's 1,440 minutes in your day. Is it filled with the music you love? Give us just 10 minutes of your time and it will be. Have your say on the songs we play with the Cork's 96FM music panel. Go to 96FM.ie now and you could win a 100 euro shopping voucher. The survey only takes 10 minutes. Join the Cork's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 9696969696969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969969
and went to, um, first of all, Virgin Media, who loved it. And when the BBC saw the concept, they loved it. So it's going to be going out both on Virgin Media and BBC in May, starting with Virgin Media in May. Mm. So we kind of have all age ranges at the moment. We've got 60s, 50s, 40s, we've 20s. But we, for the last episode, we're hoping that we can cast like 20s, 30s, 40s right. to cover them. Because apart from the reunions, we also have like storylines where people are coming in with the most amazing stories of first love or... Yeah. Lost love, even people who regretted not getting in touch with their first love or their first crush and maybe left it too late. We have a couple of them stories as well. So we're really looking for people up for the crack who go and come to us with their story. Tell us, you know, where who these people were, where they met them. We can track them down. If they have a contact for them, brilliant. Happy days. Yeah. And we'll make that move if they need us to. Um, Alternatively, we'll try and find them for them. And what we do is we do an interview with the person. Right who has the story, chat to them in their house, see a bit of what their life is like. Then we go to the other person, hear their story, and it's quite funny. Sometimes they're very different versions if they were together back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Um, and it's only until they sit down at dinner. So we get them meeting up over dinner and mm. they're chatting and the crack comes out. He might remember something that she doesn't or vice versa and photographs to bring it all up. Memories, are just, it's, it's, we have learned so much that memories, and we, we tend not to keep these now, PG. We keep, all our photos are in our phones. Mm. Like on, this really, I swear to God, I spent 300 quid on photographs being printed off in recent weeks. Because I thought, if God forbid anything happens the phone and I didn't back up, you know, everything's yeah. gone. But these, some of the people, like, they were in their 60s and 50s, had photos going back to the day when they met, like physical photos. And when they brought them to the reunion, the memories just suddenly were triggered, where you wouldn't remember certain things until it was put in front. You know, Jesus, yeah, I remember that day. Yeah. So, Spo- s- spoiler alert. Mm. Has anyone turned around and said, all right, Dermot, you were a mistake. I'm going back with Jerry." Well, now, in fairness, you see, this is the thing. It doesn't have to be that you're like we're not kind of setting them up to get back together. Sure, I know that. Do you but know, every, everyone watching is going. Come on, he's gone. Well, we actually recorded something two weeks ago. Two young lads in their twenties. They'd had a very bad breakup eight years ago. Right. And the the guy who approached us said I was a B. Right. Yeah. He said I treat him like you know what, and I never apologized. The other lad is going out with another lad and has been for seven or eight years. But they agreed to meet up. Initially, it was like, oh, what way is this going to go? We were all kind of on tender hooks and ready to kind of jump in and save them. It ended up, they went for dinner, they had a blast, and they spent the night in karaoke. And the following weekend, all three of them went out together. So literally, he was saying, if he hadn't approached him, no, he didn't have to do it on television. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing. If You have to be one who's up for the laugh to do something like this. But he, if, he said he didn't feel that he could have done it any other way that he would have yeah. been turned down. They got on great. Yeah. And, and the other lad is still with his partner. There's no fear of him running off. Obviously, everyone is different. We can't just... Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't come in a guarantee. But, I, uh, I, I can see this, like, uh, being being a hit, not only in itself, but the goggle boxers are going to love this. Without a doubt. <laughs> Even BBC were saying that this is a goggle box moment, without a doubt. I mean, do you remember your first love, Paige? I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I do, actually. Go on. I well, it was the first, the first, uh, the first girl I went out with for any length of time. We were both in coming up towards leaving cert, and um, we we used to we then ended up a couple of classes apart in college, so we'd see each other from 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 time to time, and interestingly enough, this is I don't think you've asked me, you've put me on the spot here, um, several years later, when we were moving house ourselves. We were living in Carrigline for 10 years. 
and we were looking at moving back towards the city, one of the houses we viewed... Was her house? Was her house, which had been her mother's house where you used to go to visit her. That back in the day. Is, I bet you didn't buy it. No, we didn't. No, no we didn't actually. We didn't. Not for that reason, obviously. No, 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 no we, didn't, we didn't buy it. No, but no, that, that's, that's like, I think that you, there's probably all sorts of stories out there. Yeah, like that. it's mad. I met mine when I was 15 and I married him. Like, he was five, now back in the day, he was five years older than me. Yeah. So that was he ancient was, then. Yeah, bloody ancient, like 20 and 15. <laughs> I remember my mother going bananas, you know, at 15 years of age, and he had a motorbike. Couldn't have been any worse. Oh, God, like you married I mean? the devil. Yeah, it was the devil. But 30 odd years later, I'm still with him. That's given me age away. There you are. So, right. it, you know, it can work. How does someone get involved in this? Well, we are down. Like I said, I am trying to get Cork people. We're to myself and Sarka, the other producer, down today. We're going to be in the Silver Springs from 3 o'clock till about 8 o'clock tonight, right. casting. So we want people just to pop in. You can give out my mobile number and the email address. But they can just pop into the Silver Springs. Um, if they have my mobile, they can ring us. We're a blonde and a brunette that'll be sitting in the bar. <laughs> Holding it up for five hours. But literally come in, tell us a story and we'll see if we can track them down or they may have numbers for them. It could work anyway, but if they're up for the laugh, 20s, 30s, 40s age group, or even if they know a pal who would be up for the laugh, uh. they don't have to be living here. If they can be abroad and want to come back home to meet them, we'll fly them home. Right. Or if it's somebody who's abroad, we'll fly them over there. And we've, mm. been, we've been to Dubai, San Francisco, um, uh, Dubai, San Francisco, and obviously Brittany, San Malo, mm. beautiful spot. And of course, all around Ireland and possibly a trip now coming up to England as well. So we'll take us anywhere. It sounds like a bit of fun. Yvonne, thanks for popping in. Thanks, so, Tell me again. The... So you can get in touch with us in the Silver Springs today between 3 and 8 p.m. We're going right. to be sitting in, in the reception area. Is there a number uh, they can call? Yep, yeah, I'm on 085 807 3003. Yeah. And they can email us on First Love, that's just singular, First Love at yeah. motive, M O T I V E dot I E. Okay. All right. We'll mention that again. And uh, good luck Cheers, with it. And we look forward to seeing it in, in May. Cheers. That's Yvonne Kinsella. 1850 The number, if you want to get in touch, is 085 Or First Love at Motive. That's M O T I V E dot I E. 1850-715-996 Kate says I was 12 one of my neighbours used to buy a box of Maltesers and leave them on the porch and then run away right. D says I realised last year my Irish college boyfriend follows me on Twitter I don't think he's any idea that he knew me before I look a bit different to when I was 15 he's married to a high profile designer and I think he just follows loads of journalists and media people as he seems to do a lot of her PR he wanted to be a doctor and he is but I'd still die of mortification if I met him. <laughs> 1850 this is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. I'm not one normally, as you know, for reality TV of any kind, but that sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, first dates. First dates at first dates at motive. Dot I-E. 
1850-715-996. I talked earlier on with Bernadette about her parents, about her, her mom, who's in her 80s, is in hospital at the moment, still in just a temporary ward, which they put her into after she had been 48 to 54 hours on a trolley, and she's still there. And uh, her dad, who will be 90 later this year, is so frustrated and upset that he can't help. And we mentioned the whole thing about, you know, when the minister is anywhere near, how the trolleys miraculously disappear. So they do. We call from a HSE worker. I could tell you stories about ministerial visits. In one hospital, they move the plants from the main door to the entrance to the first floor and so on. And they move them as the minister moves around the hospital. I'm not a Fianna Fáil voter, voter, but I will say one thing for Michal Martin. When he was the Minister for Health, he used to send a secretary into the hospital incognito in advance of the visit when he was Minister. They would pretend to be looking for the shop or visiting a patient or something, and they would be taking notes. When he toured the hospital subsequently, he'd been given the information that the secretary found in advance, and he might say, well, I know that three days ago there are extra beds in here. Where are they gone? Do you want to talk about that? So he used to do a little bit of, the, of, of pre-planning and catch people out. But every minister knows, every minister knows that that's a pantomime being put on for their benefit. And yet so many of them still continue to do it. I'm not too sure where this message comes from. I wonder, should the new government ask the EU or IMF for a moratorium for six months so we can sort out the hospital trolley, the housing, the homeless and the so- and the issues associated with criminality. I thought we got free of the Troika a while ago and we got our own purse back. I thought we did. I'm sure we did. Did we not? We did, didn't we? Oh, we still have to, yeah, we do still have to fulfil their rules, of course. They, they set rules and we have to fulfil them. EU budget rules and all that. This is true. 1850-715-996. Let's go to Lucy, um, who posted on Facebook about something that has happened to your, your son, isn't it, Lucy? Good morning. Hi, CJ. How are you? Yeah, um, I have twin boys, um, Sean and Killian. They're seven. Yeah. Um, they both have uh, ASD and intellectual difficulties. Now, I had the same issue two years ago with Killian. He didn't have a school place, but... Sean's turn this year then um, he's in an ASD unit in St. Bridget's it's an early intervention yeah. unit so he's finished this year so he needed a school place so I knew last year that I needed um, What age is he sorry Lucy? Seven He's seven and he's yeah. been in St. St. Bridget's great since, pl- Yeah he's been in there since he was four Okay, and and so, you you want to get him into where? Or have you a place um, in mind? I have I have a place in St John's in Dungarvan. The school I was willing to accept him. We I was down there last week. Like this was the this was the, the goal for us because we had to get him. Um, you know, another psychological assessment. I'm sure you know yourself. I do. And is it a unit now in in, in this other no, school? No, it's a special school. Special school. He oh, needs so special a special school. school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, he has intellectual difficulties, so he needs um a special school. I got you. And um, so his report, we got his report last week. I was down in St. John's, filled out all the forms. They were happy to start him, all set, good to go. And I got a phone call 
yesterday sorry, sorry, morning. A report from who now, Lucy? Just from Cope. From Cope, okay. Yeah, so he, yeah. he uses the facilities of Cope, does he? He does, yeah. He yeah, does. Yeah. And they did up a report. They did up a report today and, and I collected the report last week and I brought it down to the school. They accepted it and I got a phone call yesterday to say that the special educational needs organiser wouldn't accept the report because the wording is too vague. As she put it in his report, yes. Now, it clearly states, I could send you on a copy of the report, it says in bold underlines writing recommendations, mm. and then it says Sean would benefit from a place in a special school. Yes. There is no other recommendation for a unit or anything like that. It just says a special school. A special school. But because the report says that he would benefit from it and not that that it is essential that he goes to a a special school, then it doesn't suffice. So ah, I ran ha, 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 stop. So the, yeah. the so Cope have writ as they are perfectly entitled and overtly qualified to do. Yeah. Have said he would benefit from the place in St John's. Yeah. You say is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd benefit from the place in St John's. Mm-hmm. St John's are willing to take him on the yeah. basis of that report. Yeah, but yeah. the Sino has said no. The report no. is too vague. She wants a letter from COPE stating that it is essential. COPE have said, I contacted COPE yesterday and they have said that they're following the NCSE recommendations on how they word reports, that they have to word it that way and that they won't change the wording on the report. So now I'm here with a seven-year-old child with no place for school next year, all because of one word. But in a report. Would that I benefit from, from a place in special school. That's plain yeah. and clear. Exactly. It's under recommendations. It's bold and under It's how they're supposed to write it. Yeah, yep, exactly. But because, because they didn't say, and in a way they're within their rights not to change yeah. it, he needs a place. Yeah. The Sino yeah. has she said, no, no, he can't go there. But I, you see, this is what always makes me pull out what little hair I have left. Yeah. Right? The, the report is written yeah. with the recommendation. The yeah. school have a place and are willing to take the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All yeah. the ducks are in a row, except, except for, for the Sino. <laughs> yeah, because of one word. Because it says would benefit rather than needs. You must and be fit to be tied. I am absolutely, I could actually strangle somebody. I said it to her yesterday on the phone. I said, so are you telling me, I said, if I come back to you now and say, well, okay, I've gotten him a place in a unit, will you accept that report for a unit? No, she said, because it doesn't specify a unit. Well, I said, where would you like me to send my child? But have you said back to her, Amazing, you can get to speak to a senior, by the way. You get to speak to a Pope faster. I know. Amazing, you can. Hang on, but but the but the Pope have drawn this report up under yeah. the recommendation, the recommended form of words. Yeah, and I, I spoke to Cope yesterday and they said that they couldn't change it, which is understandable. So they said, look, if you want to tell her to ring us, get her to ring us. So I rang her and I said, would you give cope a ring she said no i don't know who's up there i'm not ringing them she said you give them my number and you tell them ring me i the string of language i couldn't put out i don't know yesterday after that i'm not joking i had to just bite my tongue and keep my cool it's just like when is he supposed to go to the school lucy 
they wanted to, they actually had initially planned on starting him before the end of the term this year, before the end of the school year this year to get him used to because Sean has quite a lot of difficulty and with And tell me, sorry for cutting across you, I'm running, running short of time, hence the rush. Yeah. The school, how, how are they re- reacting to this? Um, she, like the principal, is just as baffled as I am. She was just like, I don't know. She said, we accepted the report and this is... Like she just couldn't, she didn't know what to say to me, to be honest. And like you know, she she felt awful about it. Yeah, say. I mean, we'd all we'd everything lined up, everything was set. And I mean, he doesn't have any other school place now. So if what, she doesn't what? stop throwing her weight around now, he has nowhere to go to school next September. We'll try to come back to this, Lucy. Um, yeah. I, I, I obviously out of time now. Yeah. And look, there's a few months there yet. You know, you'd never know. Yeah. You'd never know. Oh, we'll sort it. It'll be sorted. But this kind of nonsense is still going on. When you hear people talking about senos, if you're not involved, you don't understand. But senos are people with this kind of power. Basically, the school is willing to take her son. Cope has written a report recommending that her son get the place two of the three pieces in the row and then the Sino says no. Has that happened to you? I'd like to know. The Opinion Line. Corks 96 FM. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.